baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Danny Cunningham in for Tone today. Hello. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm good. I know Lima gave us permission to do coming in hot. I don't know if I want to do coming in hot today at 940. Just feels wrong without him. I get it. I get it. You know what? I'll put it out there. We'll do coming in hot. What the hell? 940. Are you sure? Yeah, we'll try it. 940 coming in hot. I'll do it. I'll try it with you. Let's do it. You want to step into the dragon's lair? Here we go. The one Friday I was in for you guys was not allowed to do it. Nope. Well, you weren't with uh, you weren't with either Lime or I, right? Correct. I was uh, with yeah, Daryl. They ain't going to trust any of you other guys to do coming in hot. Daryl? Oh, God. Daryl would actually drive to somebody's house. <laughs> you ain't going to. No. That's not going to happen. It's official. Coming in hot. 940. I can't flip the switch without Tone. I'm not going to just sit there and, and wait for Tone to come back to do everything. He's doing his, his paternity leave. Which, I mean, the guy's clearly, I've talked to him a little bit. I am bored. Not, this is no offense to you. Thank you. Outside of 10 o'clock, like after 10, I get very bored because I didn't realize how much I talked to Tone during the day. So I get a bit bored with it. But he's been texting this morning. We've been texting about a number of things. Yesterday, you could tell he's starting to get a little loose here because he apparently he called in the afternoon drive yeah. to continue an argument that he had earlier this week. Where he called into us, and it was like what seven twenty on Tuesday, or when the day, the days run together, and he was giving an argument that he said he would take Kyle Shanahan second in a fictitious draft of all players to start everything. Well, excuse me, players, coaches, administrators, and you can throw owners in there if you want to. In his fictitious draft that he conjured up at some point, walking around his house, he's been on the creature again as well. Well, he never really got off the creature, but you get what I'm saying. So, uh. He's been just on him more in the middle of the day because he has to stay home. Anywho, he's been walking around the house. He came up with a fictitious draft, and he said that it would be Patrick Mahomes number one, Kyle Shanahan number two. And I, at first, was like, well, what? there's still quarterbacks you would probably take over a head coach. And then I went, wait a minute. If you're going to go number two, why aren't you taking Reed over Shanahan? And the argument, I still didn't disagree. I still didn't agree with, and Owen didn't agree with it. Did Peter Lynn agree with him? I don't remember. I don't think he did. I kind of saw red after. I think he agreed. I think he disagreed with him the least out of the three of you. The lead. There's there's versions of this. There's there's degrees of disagreement. Might have been. Okay, I'll take that. Apparently, he's becoming a character caller now, a legacy caller. Like we do have callers that. <laughs> God bless them. We need them. Okay, sports radio will always need callers, good callers, good fun callers. But there is a a gaggle of people that will call in in the morning and they will get their take in. And then they'll call in the midday and they'll take anybody. So they'll get their take in. Usually by the time the afternoon show comes around, Keith is like, nah, I've heard you on two shows. You ain't getting in with the same thing. But there are a couple who sneak through depending on whether or not Keith's on vacation 
Well, Lyman can just do whatever he wants because he's Lyman. His name's on one of the shows here, and he's one of the people on the billboard. Well, there's no billboard, but if there were a billboard, his face would be up there with all of us on the show right. or on the station. So Lyman, he has carte blanche to call in whenever he wants. And so yesterday, apparently, I thought of some things that I didn't think of before, and I'm going, what are you? Are you, are you one of these guys who just call in every show to get your point across he's, to see if somebody of the station will agree with you? Is that what you're doing? He's bored. That's exactly what that is. Is and, he is he also calling the regular number? Or is he calling the special number he's got access to? How much oh, of a calls, normal caller he calls, is he? He calls a special number. Okay. okay. Yeah, he calls he calls the red phone. It'd be That's funnier if you were just calling the normal because number. Because you can't call the regular number because I notice this. Anytime I try to call a regular number, it just doesn't get picked up. It doesn't get picked up. So I, they go, well, you got to call into this show and that show, which I'm never calling into the afternoon show again for a very, very specific reason that I care not to share on oh, air. Oh, I got time. Go ahead. Okay. The time that uh, I disagree with Nick Wilson about college football and he just hung up on me. What there was no back and forth. He just, he just hung up on me and that was it. And I texted well, Dustin and Keith. Well, did you call the regular go, number or the special number? I texted, I, I called, well, I, I called the special number and I, I, did this soliloquy thinking there was going to be a back and forth. And then all of a sudden I just, I just heard the beep, beep, beep. And I turned on the radio. <laughs> all right, Ken, that's enough. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> I go, your producer asked me. I didn't call in on my own, on my own accord. I was texting the producer. And then the producer's like, we'll call in. And I called in and I go, what the F was that? Or I texted him and go, what is that? They go, I don't know. He just didn't want to didn't want to hear you after that. That Wasn't was it. Feeling it today. And I go, well, I'm not taking I was sitting on the parking lot over at eight. I go, I could have walked in and started my work today. I'm not gonna do that. Hell, kiss my ass. I go, I'll go on Baskin and Phelps, I'll go on JP's show at night. I'll go on Amy Lawrence in the middle of the evening. I don't care. I don't care about any. I ain't going on afternoon drive anymore. We are embargoed. Or I'm embargoing them. But Lyman went on afternoon drive yesterday. Willingly. Because uh well, he, it's just he's, he's that guy now, and he needs to make sure that his, uh, his opinion is put out there. But he said, and he stood by it, that he would take Kyle Shanahan number two overall. And I said, I, he, Kyle Shanahan isn't even the first coach I would take. No. I, I think Andy Reid has to be. And I, I think that drafting a coach, I love the idea of a hypothetical all-NFL draft combining coaches, players, yeah. executives. Love that idea. But drafting a coach inside the top ten is bonkers really yeah wow because there are so many good quarterbacks now and that is the most important position that there is it is you can't tell me that you would rather have a coach i used to i used to um well actually i brought up cj stroud like number two or three in the draft like i could i could probably get to about five maybe six with quarterbacks before I went, okay, if we're just talking about, now you could talk about other positions if you wanted to, but if we're just doing coaches or doing quarterbacks before coaches or anything like that, I I mean, there's probably three, four, I don't think I could get the six before I would take either Andy Reid or Sean McVay or Andy Reid would be the guy. I, I mean, and Kyle Shanahan would not be the number one guy. It would be Andy Reid to your point. I'm not sure mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan would be number two. Like mm-hmm. the guy's not won a Super Bowl and to have him as, a top two pick in that draft is nuts to me. It is. But I think that you, there has to be a run on quarterback because, yeah, you hope Kyle Shanahan can get the most out of guys in the same way that I think Kevin Stefanski has gotten the most out of quarterbacks here in Cleveland. But at the end of the day, you need people that play the positions. If you've got bad players, it doesn't matter who the coach is. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be successful. So Slippery Wizard uh, called in afternoon drive yesterday. had a couple of different things that he wanted to say. 
Because you know what? What the hell? We'll play them for everybody. Which we don't do that with other callers. As sometimes we do, actually, depending on the call. Got to be really good. Uh, we had a call earlier this week that I don't think we'll ever play again. But either way, here's Lima, where he said that injuries are a factor in drafting an elite coach before the player. Coaches do not get injured for the most part. I mean, I, I get Andy Reid almost got injured on the sidelines, but there are no injuries with coaches. I think that's what also is part of this. You know, that's one of the things, one of the advantages. If you have an owner that's going to spend money, you can spend money for retaining any kind of coordinators, staff, any of them. If you think you have an elite head coach, you're going to be able to do that. And then, hey, you know, you can miss on a Trey land here or there. You can make a faulty quarterback assessment, but you still have that coach and that coach is going to be there or maybe in this case with San Francisco why I like him so much is because you know he handpicked his GM and they work in such concert and they're able to go you know basically every offseason figure out where their failings are and address them you know within limits because there's a salary cap that is a huge part of why I think if you have evaluated a coach to be at a very top tier if you can't get Patrick Mahomes if you can't get Joe Burrow or Josh Allen where it gets interesting is the Justin Herberts of the world how do you feel about the Justin Herberts or you said Anthony Richardson I can get another 20 years out of Kyle Shanahan how many years am I going to get out of your potentially elite quarterback that is mobile but can also sustain injuries like maybe Deshaun Watson thoughts you can get a longer period of time out of a coach but you also can't just manufacture success with garbage at quarterback you can't you have to have in we've seen this in San Francisco to a certain extent when you don't have that franchise quarterback, you have to have a perfect roster almost everywhere else to be successful. Well, no, I don't agree because I thought Patrick, I thought Brock Purdy did a really good job. Now, I don't know if you take away I, all, all those weapons at the very beginning of his career, how good of a job he could do, but continue. I'm more so speaking about previous years that San Francisco has been successful because I do think Brock Purdy's done a really good job out there. But if you look back to when they had Jimmy G, I don't think Jimmy G was very good, but the rest of that roster was perfect where they didn't have holes anywhere else, and that's why they were so successful. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan's a great coach, and he got the most out of some poor quarterback play. But if the Niners had a true franchise quarterback, they lose things elsewhere, certainly, but they're probably Super Bowl champions at some point. Here's Tone Loke and what he said about comparing Stefanski with a bad roster versus Watson with a bad, it says bad teammates, but I think he's meaning like not a great group of players around him. Hit it. There's one thing I feel like I I didn't bring up, and I think people are not really totally understanding. The debate is not just one year, that's all you get. I think we'd all agree, like, what if you have a bad roster? What is a good head coach? What is a great head coach going to give you if your roster stinks? Like, we might like Kevin Stefanski a lot right now. Give him the 1-15, 0-16 Browns. Well, he's not going to win. Conversely, what if you have Deshaun Watson with the Houston Texans? Not a great roster, not a great coach, and he's elite. Well, there's only so much you can do. So, the one-year thing is not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in, hey, this once-in-a-lifetime draft out of nowhere that goes down, and you're going to play this out over the next five years. Who are you going to have more success with, or 10 years, or 15 years? So I, I wrote this down real quick. I wrote this down really, really quick. Mahomes Burrow, yeah. one and two. Yeah. Is, is Reed all of our number one pick? He would be my number one coach, yeah. Okay, he's our pick. So I would have Reed... Would you put Reed ahead, number three overall? Would you put Reed ahead of Lamar or Allen or Stroud? I would take all three of those quarterbacks before I took Andy Reed. All three? Yeah. I think that C.J. Stroud's going to have a great career. Joe Just, Burrow, when he's healthy, right, is awesome. And Lamar's five. got two MVPs. That's five. How about Justin Herbert? 
I would take Justin Herbert. You would take Justin I Herbert would. over. I, I think that the stuff on the field really matters. I think that they've had some bad rosters in San or in Los Angeles. Oh, I think they've had some good rosters in Los Angeles. I, I disagree. I don't think the rosters are great. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not going to bog it down with the Chargers. You you say tomato, I say tomato. But I would put. <sighs> I like I. Everybody knows I love Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen, Stroud. I'd probably get to number five maybe before I go to Reed, but I might want to go higher. What about Jalen Hurts? No, I'd take Reed before him. Anthony in Cleveland. This is not Lima. Anthony, you're next up on the fan. Hey, guys. Um, so I, I came in on the back end of this conversation, I guess, but I'm hearing some of the names thrown out, and, you know, Shanahan and Reed, and those are good coaches, but, you know, I'm like, where's – and I'm not a Steelers fan. I'm a Browns fan. But, like, where's Tomlin in all of this? I'm taking Tomlin over Shanahan. This guy's never had a losing season, and he's had garbage quarterbacks since Woo! Roethlisberger's left. Woo! So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. If, and, and some of these play, and, and I don't know who the, the guest host, but I understand his point about taking quarterbacks over. Danny uh, Cunningham. You can find him on Twitter at Real D Cunningham. Go ahead there, Ian. What's, ha- what's happening, Danny? Um, How are you? I'm, I'm I'm all right driving to work. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I understand his point, but again, if you look at Tomlin and what he's done with these garbage quarterbacks, that's something to be said about those uh, that type of co- uh, coach. And um, you know, talent kind of overshadows uh, bad coaching sometimes, but. That coach, man, Tom has got to be in the top ten for me, uh, even over some some of those quarterbacks you were naming. Uh, oh, Tomlin um, over Lamar, Allen, Stroud, Herbert. Uh, probably over Lamar since he hasn't gotten there. Um, I know Harbaugh's a really good coach, but uh, I don't know. Maybe where does Harbaugh fit in that conversation? Uh, I don't know. So it's it's it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but oh goodness. I guess I would go go with your um, your guest host on this and See, and, and agree. This is why I, I I hold coaches in high regard, Anthony. Thank you very much for the call. I hold coaches in high regard, but I wouldn't go higher than fifth because, like, I look at a guy like Tomlin. Tomlin can keep you afloat if you don't have a good quarterback. But if I can have a good quarterback, why wouldn't I just take the good quarterback? And I mean the really really good quarterback. Like I'm not just going to take any quarterback. I'm not going to take a questionable quarterback. Like I like Jalen Hurts, but I think there are questions there now that we didn't have before. I, I've always questioned Tua. Certainly Bryce Young's a question. Obviously Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you go down the list. You know, Rodgers, what's he going to be when he comes back? New England has nothing. I'm just looking at the AFC. If I look at the NFC, are you going to take, it, it, just because they're quarterbacks, Dak Prescott has had some really good numbers over the right. last how many years. Are you taking Dak Prescott over Tomlin, over Harbaugh, over Reed, over Shanahan? I, I, I don't I don't think you are. The Tomlin really thing's don't. interesting because he's been great in the regular season, but to justify this, you have to have postseason success, and he's not won a playoff game since 2016. I mean, 2017, sorry. He's had, he's had Roethlisberger, but you know my criticism of Roethlisberger is I, I do think he's had them hired friends in the past, sure. and I think that's cost him. Right. But, but I think they put that on Tomlin. But I think I need to see more recent playoff success to say, yeah, that guy's a surefire top 10 pick in this draft. Okay. I need to see it. I mean. Same thing with Herbert, though. What playoff success have I seen out of him? That's fair, too. Bingo. It is. It is. Knock it down. That's fair. Well, I got to give Lima credit. He certainly has given us something to talk about this week on all the shows. So, technically. I'm glad he's been useful. You think about this. The Slippery Wizard wins in the end.
Always does. <laughs> he always does. Coming up at 8, the dangerous one, Daryl Ryder, 640. Uh, I'm going to have to ask Daryl about a question we have to bring up at 640. It is, uh, well, I'm just going to tell everybody we got to get my uh, undersized coat out and Fatlock's going to walk through the courtroom door again. I thought he'd never have to walk through, and we're going to do that at 640. Coming up next, though, there are some people gatekeeping Caitlin Clark's scoring record. It's in about last night, next on The Fan. Now, the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima give their thoughts on what you might have missed about last night. Caitlin Clark, she broke the all-time scoring record last night in the first quarter with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? There it is! The all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. Audio courtesy of Peacock. Hit it from the logo. Yeah. Uh, she now has the all-time record in scoring. I was bothered by some of the reactions I saw. I know uh, some basketball coaches. I know some women's college basketball coaches. And I know some uh, girls' high school basketball coaches. Mm-hmm. Congratulations s- on all your success. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> I found some gatekeeping going on. Uh, there were a couple of people. Not all of them. Not all of them, I know. But there were a couple of them going, well, if you weren't supporting women's college basketball before don't be saying all these great things oh, no 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 that is the wrong 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 message no 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 why wouldn't you want as many people possible enjoying your sport that's right like this is this is a year where i know a lot more of the women's college and honestly it's been this way for the last few years and it's basically it's because of caitlin clark i know way more about the women's game than i do any of the men's game the most I know about the men's game is John Fanna and Akron. That's it. John Fanna giving me Big East basketball and Akron. Ohio State's not interesting at all unless they fire their coach, and now they fired their coach yesterday or two days ago. So there's nothing interesting there anymore. Uh, I got Mick Cronin complaining about money at UCLA, which it seems that they have none at UCLA. And, uh, boy, that's about it. Yeah. That really is about it. I, but with the women's game, I got I got some big stuff going on here. And ain't just her. You got LSU that's there. You got South Carolina. I believe they're still unbeaten right now. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on with that. And I don't understand the gatekeeping. I'm a NASCAR fan, all right? I don't sit there. The worst thing I hate, nobody wants their own sport to die worse than old NASCAR fans. And I absolutely hate it. I'm like, no, bring it in. Netflix, bring in the kids, whatever it takes. Like, there's things that bother me. I don't like where the numbers are. I'm not interested in paddle shifting, but hey, if it, I still like racing, I still like watching cars go fast. Like, you got to be inviting, guys. You can't be gatekeepers. And I don't think that the women's game has ever been as interesting as it is right now, which is a really important thing. And to be, no, you weren't here before, you can't be here now, is such a bad move by some people involved in that sport. It's more interesting, and I think it's a, a much better product, too, to watch than the men's game is right now, Ken. I could tell you more about the women's game than the men's game. You could show me the men's top 25 that you could make up, and I'd believe you. I have no idea anything that's going on in men's college hoops, but the women's game I follow a little bit. I follow much more closer than I follow the men's game. Not to say I follow it like the NBA, but it's a much more interesting thing to me than what's going on in men's college hoops. Opening day, first pitch, April 8th. It's going to be at 5, 10 p.m. Tickets go on sale today at 10 a.m. Danny had a problem with it. I wanted first pitch at 313. It's dumb. It's a once in a lifetime at thing. 313. Yeah. That's when the, the peak of the eclipse is. Start it then. That's dumb. No, you get one opportunity to ever do this in franchise it's just history. Dumb. No, it's not. Yes, it's really no, dumb. It would have been awesome. I love you, man. That's dumb. It would have been awesome. How's that dumb? 
Because you you got to get your pitchers out there. And I'm not resting pitchers. I'm not turning the lights on and then turning them back on. Well, you the usually lights leave the lights on. on the whole time on opening day. But I'm not going to turn the lights on and have it like go to darkness. It's It'd be awesome. It's, it's almost it's like borderline dangerous in a way. No, it would be awesome. No, that's dumb. No, it's a bad it would be idea. incredible. No, started at five ten. No, they're opening up the gates at like two, so you can go two on in there and have a nice. I've got a drink for a game two. A dozen. What? Everyone wears blindfolds. Wait, what? Game two, everyone wears blindfolds. <laughs> Danny gets game one where we do it in the dark. <laughs> I want to. I want complete darkness. The Dizzy bat time. races before every pitch. It, it's, it's dumb. Come on, oh, it's Danny. it's not. Yes, it is. It would be awesome. No, it wouldn't. Yes, it would. No, it wouldn't. Yes, it would be. I think of people around the world be sitting there going, why do they start the bas- their baseball game at that time? It's silly as hell. It would be incredible. No, you watch it, the... It would uh, be an awesome story. It would be... It would have been perfect. You watch the eclipse, and you see the eclipse, and you go, okay, that was just fine. And then, uh, and then you get ready to watch some Cleveland Guardians baseball. I think they should have done 1 o'clock for, or one ten first pitch. And you play until the eclipse hits its peak. I hope it's not cloudy. Then the lights I'm are praying. Out. I'm praying for clear skies. Please don't be cloudy. Like when uh, I saw there is a school, several school systems are like closing for yeah. that day. Mm-hmm. And I saw a couple of people like, I hope it's cloudy. I go, don't. No, come on. Don't Why do would you want that? Because people are mean. It's mean spirited. Don't. Come on. People are coming here from all over the country and all over the world. They're going to be staying in Owen's basement. That's right. We're packing them in. going to be jammed, especially with the women's Final Four the day before. Oh, that's right. The championship game at at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse is the day before the eclipse. Speaking of the Gardos, Stephen Vogt yesterday, he talked about the upcoming season as pitchers and catchers have reported. I believe the first, it was a week from yesterday, so I think it's Tuesday is the uh, first full team workout there. But he was also asked about Cookie Carrasco coming back and how Cookie's feeling. Feeling really well and making a few slight adjustments this year, but he's just excited to be back in Cleveland. And he looks much better in this uniform than he did in the previous <laughs> uh, you know, year. But, um, you know, I'm excited to get to know him yeah. and, and watch him work. I know what he's capable of and, and how much he's going to help the room. And he just couldn't be more happy to be back. I think it's nice to see Carlos Carrasco back, but my question to you, Danny, is anybody going to look good in those Fanatics uniforms? No, those are so bad. Not really I, good. I cannot believe. Cardinals players are complaining about it. I know that. They look like the jersey t-shirts, and the jersey t-shirts are fine for fans. I think it's a great way to, you know, represent your favorite player without having to spend the hundreds of dollars on an authentic or a replica jersey. But these look terrible. I've seen high school jerseys that look better than what these guys are wearing now. Uh, 85 KRB tweets at us, quote, fly ball hit to center field. Miles Straw is under it, and he looked at the eclipse, and he's blind now. Robert is rounding the bases with ease. <laughs> That's why you've got those glasses. It might be the dumbest thing said on the radio this week on the fan. No. I think it might be. No Would, way. would outfielders have to go into the field <laughs> with a cereal box with the thing cut out of it? <laughs> It'd be awesome. I wanted to start the game during the eclipse. Yes. First pitch. <laughs> oh, hell. It'd be awesome. No, it wouldn't be. Yes, it would College be. Football 25 coming out this summer. You're going to buy it? You're going to play it? I can't wait. I will take time off work nervous. to play it. What, what makes you nervous I, about it? Because I don't play I don't play video games now. I don't. Well, that's that's when my son thinks he's going to beat me in sports video games. And I go, okay. And then I really rub his nose in it. Uh, then I play. But I'm not, like, sitting there gaming. No offense to anybody who games. That's not a 
Not what I heard. Not a shot at gaming. But I didn't know, like, you get, like, the game and then to, like, you have to pay as you go on some of the stuff. I and mean, so, like, my buddy Lavelle, he kind of scared me because, like, he put on Twitter, he's like, they're going to make this like some of the other games where you have to, like, you buy the original game and then to get certain features, you have to pay on it. And I'm going, man, I'm not, no. In the I'm, last game, you could do that, though. Back in, for NCAA 14, like, you could that. pay money to get extra uniforms that weren't included in the okay, original game. Okay, but I'm game. talking about, like, game features. Like, you got to pay extra for Dynasty. No, that's not going to be the case. I don't. That's not okay. how it's going to work. There's I'm gonna, no way. I'm going to wait and see what everybody says first because I, I like the old-fashioned NCAA with Brad Nessler and Lee Corso. And yeah. To be honest with you, I've had it off for so long, I have no idea because what I do is I take down the the play-by-play of it because I'm like, well, if I were on the sidelines, I wouldn't be able to hear the play-by-play. I want authenticity. And for that reason, I am going to buy College Football 25, and then I'm going to get sick of it because of NIL, and I'm going to go play Madden then. I'm going to leave for Madden. Because I Sounds want the like a good strategy. college football experience in 2024. You're, you're, gonna, <laughs> you're just going to leave, leave to go be a coordinator to the Packers. That, 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 honestly, that's what is more, more you're, likely. You're going to work your way up to the Boston College yes. head coaching job and then leave to go be the Packers defensive coordinator. Well, probably was a good idea. That clock was running on Jeff Halfley over there. Probably a good career. Same way it was it. running on Chip Kelly at UCLA. Tiger Woods, he's playing in the Genesis. Tell us about your first round back, Tiger. My round was good and a little bit indifferent. I was stressing out on the, on the short game. I mean, I had maybe, what, five five pars, something like that, something stupid. It was making either birdies or bogeys, and it was good and a little bit indifferent. Thoughts? Good and indifferent. I watched most of his round. Um, Reminds me of the old Jim Rome. The golf course looks good. It did. They, that, that golf course looked good. I watched most of the round. I like my chances. It bums me out watching Tiger in this form because he, he just he, – can't do what he used to do. There was one, there was one situation. He he hit a five wood from 197 yards. I'm just like, man, this is not, not the guy I want to watch play golf. Nah, right this now. is the guy I want to watch play golf. I'm interested in nobody else but him. I tried, I tried, guys. I tried. I know there's a lot of golf fans who listen. Uh, a couple of golf nuts out there. Peterlin is golf crazy, and I was going to like, hey, I'll, I'll get Peterlin to talk me into liking golf this week, and then Peterlin in just one breath shot it down by accident. He's like, I can't get you to love a game that doesn't love itself. And I was like, all right, guess we're not talking about that this I week. I mean, <laughs> golf has its own problems. It does. The PGA Tour is not in the best position, and there's not really an argument to be made otherwise. I love I love the game of golf, but I'm at the point now where, Ken, mm-hmm. outside of the Masters, maybe the U.S. Open, there are not going to be very many times where I pick a Sunday to say, I want to sit on the couch and watch instead of going out and playing golf. I, uh, I, man, I, I, I watch a little bit of it here and there. Cause I have to, in some cases, like I'm going to watch this cause it's tiger. I like watching tiger because of the nostalgia anymore. Right. Back in a time when I really loved watching pro golf and I don't get the golf anymore personally. Cause just too damn busy with all these kids coming up at eight o'clock. The dangerous one, Daryl, he doesn't have any kids, so he ain't busy. So he can talk to us. Boy, that sounded terrible. Daryl's going to join that us at 8 nice o'clock, and we will talk about the Cleveland Browns and and what they could do in free agency and what Albert Breer said yesterday he about a no couple of— no one to pass the beat down to once of four, he goes. What else would Daryl be doing other than talking to us? Oh, boy. He has no Luke to his Tim Russert. This is not good for Daryl. Uh, coming up next—I didn't mean to take a shot at Daryl. He's asleep anyway. Coming up next—it's uh, probably not going to happen, but— uh. 
It does have to be discussed, guys. Ken Carmen, Danny Cunningham in for Tone on the Fan. Coming up at 8.20 this morning after the Dangerous One joins us at 8, Danny Cunningham made a wild-ass comparison between Mahomes and Brady and LeBron and Michael Jordan, and I have no idea what the hell it is. That's coming up at 8.20 this morning. He's going to have to explain himself. Folks, Ohio State, they got a lot of changes going on, and another one at offensive coordinator Nick Wilson and Spencer German, potato salad, cover it all. And the big college football news and the new Sons of the Shoe episode at 923thefan.com on the Odyssey app, which is absolutely free, or wherever you get your podcast. Folks, listen to Sons of the Shoe. It's good stuff. We got to talk about this. Uh, it is news. Um, might have to put my, my undersized jacket on that's too tight. I can't get it let out any longer. Uh, Do it. Put it on. Might be walking back into that courtroom here. Uh, Brent Schrotenborn of USA Today explained that a motion to compel further testimony from Watson has been filed as he does still face two civil lawsuits. And one of the things that were written here and why it is news for everybody is written here from Pro Football Talk. Absent a settlement or a dismissal, the remaining claims against Watson will go to trial at some point. Now, here's the key. Although he has been suspended 11 games by the NFL for the allegations, the league has not completely ruled out the possibility of further punishment given the evidence that could emerge in the remaining cases and or the eventual verdicts. Now, my whole thought at first was... My whole thought at first was, oh, God, here we go again. Uh, My second thought was, well, wouldn't they know... Wouldn't they kind of know? And then I go, well, I don't know if they'd know everything. I mean, what are you going to do? It's not the, the NFL is not a court of law, is it? Are you sworn? It, no, two years I, ago, that's a fuzzy memory. Like, do you remember that? Like, it's, you can't give sworn testimony to the NFL and to their people, can you? Are you sworn not until legally? Not until the case is closed. I, I it, like, this is an employer. I mean, we're not talking a legal right. system here of you're not being sued by the NFL. So I don't know what he could give them. And so my thought is, well, his best his best interest was to be as open and honest as he possibly could be. And seeing how the NFL really worked with him on things, maybe things would be fine. Uh, I, I I have no idea. Now, it, it, apparently, like, he might have to give testimony again. We'll see how that goes. Because it comes down to the point where maybe your best interest might be to settle. But I don't know. You seem to have two civil civil suits out there. So it it I have to pay attention to it. I'm curious, why is this coming up now? That's- well, because it's the offseason, and the, the time that they, they did agree, the two sides did agree to work on these things during the offseason. So it's the summertime. It's going to be the summertime, and, and that's the agreed-upon time frame that both sides of the, uh, the, the people suing Watson and Watson's uh, lawyers, that's the time that they figured that they could do this and that everybody agreed on. I don't know what this is going to mean from the NFL, Ken. I don't know if we're going to be looking at another suspension. And, and I, if he well, I don't is want going to speculate, I'd be, I got, I mean, I, I don't want to speculate. I'd be, really, I'd be really surprised if we were. I'd be I, really surprised if we were. I think I would too. But anytime that more details come out, you just have to wonder what, what did the Browns know? What did the NFL know at the time when the suspension was handed down, you know, two years ago, a year and a half? Probably knew a lot. Time. But did they know this? Are, are they going, are they, going to be learning more the way that I feel as if we are going to be learning more about this. 
that's the biggest question I have. If, about. if there's new information that you didn't know, now you have to look into things here and, and figure this out, but if there's new information that you didn't know that is somehow worse or something like that and you lose a case or something, then you really need to look into the contract. Yeah. Is what you need to do. Which that, uh, Because that, you have to be, you know, when the Browns got involved in this, there had to be, there was definitely some some due diligence that Lyman and I had talked about that was going on during the season in, in 2021 that we had to be, you know, there were some people who just didn't want to hear it, uh, but there was definitely some some conversation to that. And I look at it now, and a couple of years later, like it hasn't, on the football field, it hasn't been exactly what we all thought it was going to be. Um, some people would say it's exactly what they thought it was going to be, but I mean, that you know, there's nothing there. There's been some, some flashes of, of hope, uh, but there's... Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Obviously, been some questions there, but if this were to come around where the, the, there's anything new in the testimony, anything that would have to have the NFL reexamine it, then you have to reexamine the contract here, absolutely, and find out if there's because I can't think of any other breach other than the truthfulness of whatever he might have told you or whatever might have been said at the very beginning. Now, I don't know about any of the parameters of the contract or whether or not anything can be voided or what could be done, but that's the only thing I would think about in the worst case scenario is that you'd have to re-examine all that if the NFL has to re-examine it as well. So it might be a bit of a you got to pay attention to this in the summer if they go and they have some sort of a trial and they had they put him to the stand, you have to pay attention to that because if something new comes out and the NFL has to take a look at this again, I don't want to say we're going to be back to square one, but we might we might have to talk about all this all over again and and do court TV radio like we had to do two summers ago. The contract was what popped into my head when I saw this yesterday because I instantly thought that this sounded like we're going to be learning stuff that's new here. And I don't know how much is going to be new. I don't know how much isn't. But I think we're going to learn something new. And if there is more to this, is there a way out? That was what I thought about but I think last we, night. But you got to be careful with, with, with that type of thought because – when you say, is there a way out? And I know you don't mean it this way. When you say, is there a way out? I mean, it sounds like we're trapped in the contract. And maybe there's some people going, well, and if, if we found out there's new details, then this, thing, this situation allegedly gets even worse because I don't know how they would find in the, in the civil trial, but if they, if they ruled against him uh, being Watson, then you have, and there's new information. Well, then the NFL might have to discuss this again. Yeah. And if there's new information, there's a there's a level of ugliness here that has been alleged that, you know, a settlement is not an admission of guilt whatsoever. Right. And it's not a verdict. It is a settlement. That's what it is. You want to make this ugliness go away, whatever it might be, and move on with your lives. But with two still outstanding, if it were to not go his way and the NFL were to look at it again, then we, we're talking about things that we didn't know about before and I don't want to go through it again. I don't want to go through it again. And I don't want to sit there and, well, we got to look at the contract and see if we get out of the contract. Because then you're, you're, you're mixing sports with real life in the wrong way. And you got to keep the proper perspective about this. You do. Not you. I'm talking about people no, in general. No, I, I, so when you say, like, I well, did. we got to look at the contract, it's like, 
the Browns would have to look at the contract. Right, yeah, I'm not saying I would have to personally exactly. look at that. I, yes. I just, I wonder what impact could this have on the football field? Because I do think most people would say that the juice has not been worth the squeeze with this yet. It mm-hmm. hasn't. That Deshaun Watson has not lived up to expectations. There have been flashes. There have been individual throws where it's like, wow, still yeah. got it. There's the second half of the Ravens game that everyone wants to point at as, see, he's back. He's all the way back. He's a franchise quarterback. He's great. We're set. Somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. It, it's not, you know, once every 30 throws he's great, and he's not what he was against Baltimore in that second half. Because it's somewhere in the middle. And it would put another question to your head coach again, because if, if the NFL were to find anything, then it would have to come down to, well, now we got to talk about the other possibilities at the position and in all the other football things. But again, I think there needs to be, and there was two summers ago, a separation between what goes on in real life and then what goes on on the football field and having to carry that through. Now, I didn't foresee another two years later of this being brought up where, oh, now they want him to testify and they want to put him there because to me, it, it, uh, hey, I'm no lawyer, but that seems to be a move to try to get a forced settlement here. Sure. Out of that. And but I, again, I'm not. I got five lawyers, but I'm not a lawyer. So, but that that move to me would seem to be to try to push a settlement on so everybody can move on. I mean, we're talking about two years later. The man's two years older than what he was at some point, and I don't know what's going on. And he may very well say these people are not telling the truth about me. And damn it, I'm going to prove it. He has every right to do so. But there is also the thought of, hey, what's done is done in the in the court of the public opinion. And you got to move on with your life. And we all have to move on together. Well, and it's four years since since the alleged incidents took place, too. Yes. It's not just that it's two years since Deshaun's been in Cleveland. These things are alleged to have taken place back in 2020. Yes. So that, I do think, adds to it a little bit that it was even further away than just the two years. 216-474-0092. The Dangerous Window Rider will join us coming up at 8 o'clock. We will talk about the Browns' new offensive line coaches, what that could mean for Jed Wills, Jack Conklin. We've been discussing that here for a bit. Also, the 49ers, it looks like they could be open for business. Could the Browns be wheeling and dealing with them? That and a question about how much you're willing to spend at 745. Up next, there is a difference between happy and and satisfied. And I think a lot of us are confusing it. Next on The Fan. 745. How much, how long do I go before I have to tell my wife? What is it? Find out at 745 during Fix My Life. Danny Cunningham. Good tease. In for tone. I'm a master. Yes, you are. Yes. The Dangerous One, Daryl Ryder at 8 o'clock. The 49ers willing to deal with the Cleveland Browns. And at 9 o'clock, Brandon Tierney, WFAN. In New York, or as the jingle goes, WFAN. He'll join us because uh, he says Jalen Brunson's underrated. Uh, I, I did have some people yesterday because I, I said that I do believe that the Cleveland Cavaliers are a bit disrespected by the national media. But I also think of the 16 teams that would be in the playoffs now. I think about 11 of them feel that they're disrespected, the, fa- the fan bases of them. And the New York Knicks are one of them because a couple of people had said, well, that's a small town thought. I go, nope. The Knicks are a team that's in the biggest city in the world. Yep. And that means they have a very large fan base, and they feel that Jalen Brunson is not respected. He should be getting MVP consideration, and he's not. They're upset about that. And so if they feel disrespected, don't just leave this as a Midwestern small market Cleveland thing. No, no. Uh, this transcends and, and goes beyond. But I think we pick and we choose. And and frankly, and, and this is the byproduct of, ha- byproduct of having an 82-game schedule and where the cream really rises to the top by the – time all-star break comes around like there are teams that every now and then a team's able to make a run 
and usually finish off the season nice, but we kind of really know. Like, unless a lot of people get hurt from the Cleveland Cavaliers, you're a playoff team. Uh, Unless basically everybody in the East quits basketball, the Pistons are not going to win enough games to get to the postseason. Like, it's going to be difficult. So you kind of know what it is, and so we focus a lot on rumor. We focus a lot on... On other things, uh, what interests us? Like yesterday, you're just looking at the national perspective. AD, well, we found we found our our personality. We found who we are. I go, took you this long to who you are? You're LeBron's team. Yeah, okay? and you always know, have been. I know you won six of your last seven going into last night, but you're LeBron's team. So that's who you are. So that's your personality. That's what you're known as, your identity. For the Cavs, I, I think that they are still, I think in a lot of ways they're looking for ways to solidify their identity. I think that their goal, and Danny, you can tell me better. It feels to me, it feels to me, Danny Cunningham, that their goal is to prove that they are a tougher team than last year. Yeah, and I I do think that they have proved that. That is something that you can prove to an extent in the regular season. But, you know, I also thought at times they showed toughness during the regular season last year, particularly Donovan Mitchell. If you go back and look at that fight with Dylan Brooks when uh, Dylan got him below the belt and Donovan threw the basketball at him, like, that, that is a toughness thing. You see more of that from guys that are not the star player that I don't think existed last year. But, it's not to take shots at anyone yeah. on that roster, but I think that they didn't have the toughness around the edges that they do now. I, I'm not even talking about just fights, though. I mean, fights are one thing. Shoving people around is another thing. But right. I mean, not being pushed around at the yeah. block. Uh, I think Jared Allen is, if you watch Jared Allen throughout this season, I think he's case in point. I, I think that he might have not felt too good about the way his comments were taken at the end of the Knicks series last year. And I think he's done his damnedest. I, I'm not seeing a completely different player or anything. I, I I think that Jared Allen has always been a guy to be respected for his athleticism, but I, I've seen a tougher basketball player and a guy who's really playing with a physical purpose. I Go ahead. He's had the best year of his career. There's yes. no doubt about that. I think he's been tougher. I think defensively he's had a much better year. There were times last year, Ken, where I just thought he looked like he was out of position at times. He didn't know kind of how to fit in with what Evan Mobley was doing. And maybe this is partially a product because Mobley missed six weeks. But I think Jared Allen has been fantastic on both ends. But you said something in the second sentence. In the second sentence that I think affected a lot of people. Because you said not since the the, the series last year, it's hard to prove in the regular season. I think a lot of guys out there are thinking about this season and how the regular season to them. Hey, great, you're in the second place in the East. But we've seen you do well in the East before. We've seen you do well last year, and you're not you didn't get to where you needed to go, and there's nothing you can prove until the postseason. I want to know from fans. 216-474-0092. Be honest. I'm not going to run you off the air. Has last season affected your thoughts of your excitement to this season and what the Cavaliers have done? Because last season, it, it was a buildup. You had the first year with Colin Sexton where they started to make a run there. And, and Darius Garland to a degree, and you had some pieces that were fitting in. Then you make the move for Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell proves immediately how great of a basketball player he is for a lot of people who really weren't watching the Utah Jazz before, but then it ends so horrifically against the Knicks. This year, I think there's been a different toughness there. I think they're trying to prove a lot, but I think to a lot of fans, it, simply they are not going to prove anything until they get to the postseason to him. So I want to know how much of last season has affected this regular season because I think there's a lot of folks saying I don't want to get fooled again. And you talk about the national disrespect that a lot of people feel as if is towards the Cavs, and I totally get that. I think that the the area it's biggest is the MVP conversation. Last year, Donovan finished sixth, which I, I think is about right. I 
would have maybe had him a little bit higher, would have had him first team all NBA. He's had a better year this year than he has last year. He's mm-hmm. just been a better basketball player in almost every facet of the game. He's averaging more points. All of his stats are up. His shooting percentages are a tick down, but that's because he's had to be higher usage with guys out. He's had the best year of his career, and he's not talked at in the same conversation he was last year. And I think that's different if they win that series against the Knicks. If they get to the second round or if they get to the conference finals last year, I think we're looking at Donovan Mitchell. Nothing changes about what he's actually done on the floor this year. True. But if there was more postseason success, I think he is a true MVP candidate right now. But there's a lot of folks, and it's going to sound weird. You've heard the size of the boat, the motion of the ocean thing. You could talk about all the winning that you've done in this huge 36-17 and record. And I try to. I'm not a negative person. But I think they go, yeah, and what happened at the end? Yeah. You know, what, what do you, what, when it's really go time, what are you giving to me? When it's really time to get down and go to the second round into the Eastern Conference, I have to almost skip a step to make last year be erased. I almost have to, I have to be an Eastern Conference team because now, you know, people are thinking they're battling against the clock because no matter how you try to avoid it, how much you try to avoid it, this weekend, it's going to be, if you watch any of the All-Star festivities, and I don't know how highly rated it's going to be, but if you decide to tune into any of the All-Star festivities, at some point it's going to be brought up about Donovan Mitchell's future. Yeah. Yeah. So that's constantly a reminder to you, and I, I've said my piece on that a million times. I think he will sign an extension because that gives him the most power no matter what. I think he'll sign an extension with the Cavs, but he's made it clear it's based on winning. Well, they're winning a lot right now. Right. And I do think there's a lot of people that just, they, they see the record. They go, hey, that's great. That's great. They're happy, but I don't think they're satisfied. And I don't know how to get people satisfied in, in February. And I, I do think that you should be really happy about this. And I think it's unfair, Ken, that is. there are people that just say, oh, you know, this is nice, but you have to do it in April. And listen, you do have to do it in the playoffs. You have to have a successful playoff run. Getting out of the first round is a must. I, I would argue getting out of the second round is a must this year. Yeah. Like the conference finals should be the expectation for the this expectation. Team. Yeah, I think that should be what you would... You're the two seed. You've got a four-game lead in the loss column on the number three seed. You should be a top two seed with home court in the second but round. this is where the regular... Them. This is Now, this right. is where I have to you're, see the way the people see the regular season there because correct. I'm going, that's not the Bucks you're going to see in April. That's maybe not the 76ers you're going to see in April. But you should also still be happy and satisfied with what's happening right now. Yes. It's not fair to say I'm happy. I don't know. Uh, the satisfaction conversation. I, I think this has been a very satisfying run for the Cavs. I do. The way that they have just blown the doors off teams, even if you look at the game against Chicago, where I, I don't think that the Cavs focus level of the last week has been all that high. They didn't look like a very focused team to me against Philadelphia on Monday and that loss. They didn't look focused again on Wednesday. They, they looked like a team ready for the all-star break and that's fine. That happens, but you have to be able to enjoy when the team wins 18 out of 20. That's enjoyable. That's satisfying. It shouldn't every time be, well, this doesn't matter because all they have to do is win in the playoffs. They do have to win in the playoffs, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be happy about what they're doing now. You should be thrilled with how great this team looks. And I think that there are things you can learn just about every night in the NBA And I think that we have learned through this stretch that this Cavs team is one that is much more built for postseason basketball than the one last year was. 216-474-0092. How has last season, has it affected this season? And you said, I mean, Eastern Conference as the expectation is a high-ass bar. Getting to that final should be the expectation. But you can't tell me they're not deserving of that bar. 
I get that last postseason was a catastrophic failure. When you failure. say expect, though, if you don't meet that expectation, then there seems to be ramifications, consequences, repercussions that have to happen if you don't reach that that level. I mean, I mean, I like what we're seeing right now. I don't want to lose my mind. The expectation last year was maybe not get out of the first round, but it certainly wasn't get smoked in five games. No, it certainly wasn't. What were the ramifications from that? Nothing. Everybody don't said necessarily we need. There, there was lessons lose, learned in growing. If they lose in six or seven games in the second round, it's different than getting smoked in the second round. It is. But I think yeah. that it's fair to expect this team wins two playoff series. If they don't, because say they lose to Milwaukee in a, a tight game seven, that doesn't mean it's all a failure. You fell a little bit short of expectations, but it doesn't mean it's some disaster. Let me get to John in Cleveland. John, you're first up on the fan. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Doing wonderful, John. Go ahead. So, uh, I kind of I kind of got a little bit of a hot take. I tell I have watched the Cavs. I love them. But it is kind of, I can't, they, they are a playoff team this year. I just need to see them win a series. Last year, they got outplayed and outmatched them to the X. And I just, I mean, I guess if we play the Magic, I'm cool with that. And um, Pacers, I'd be fine with. And. Maybe an undermanned Philadelphia 76ers team. Uh, just don't really like our chances against Celtics or the Knicks this year. And I don't know. I'm I'm happy and excited. I'm definitely not satisfied. They got to win a playoff. Series. I'm quick to emotion, John, and I want to rip you, but I'm like, isn't that a product of the NBA? Isn't that a product? A product of almost a, a what sports are? I mean, last year you would look at the Browns, John. This season it was a great season, but it ended horrifically. I, I wonder if there's going to be some people kind of humming and hawing on the regular season, this coming Brown season. You know, baseball's a long one. I think that you can really enjoy some of the stuff that goes on because I, I think the goal is such a moving target during baseball. I think it's different. But in basketball, especially basketball, but a little bit of football, it, the end-all, be-all goal, I think that overshadows a lot of what people do in the regular season, John. Thank you very much for the call. 216 474 92 how has last season affected this season? And is that expe- – not a goal. Is that expectation the Eastern Conference Finals? Ken Carmen, Danny Cunningham in for Tone on the fan. Daryl Ryder, 8 o'clock, 745. How far are you willing to go before you tell your wife? Let that just sit out there and languish for a minute. Back to the Cavs in just a moment. You can now hear full clips of our local shows at 92.3 The Fan and the free Odyssey app. So now you have the option of listening to a specific chapter labeled by our producers, whether it's labeled correctly. I don't know. We'll find out, Mitch. Uh, Also, listen to the entire show. Download the free Odyssey app now and take the time to listen to the most local sports talk in all the state of Ohio. I'm talking river to lake to Indiana, baby. That's what I'm talking. And everything in between. State line of Pennsylvania, too. My brother-in-law used to live on the state line of Ohio and Pennsylvania. That's the best thing I can say. That's the most interesting thing I could tell you about my brother-in-law. All right, coming up at 8 o'clock, Daryl, just like I said, 216-474-0092. Has last season affected your enjoyment, fun, whatever it might be with the regular season this year? Like John in Cleveland called up, and I'm not my first right. Just relax and enjoy. It's like, well, I, I, I think that's kind of a product of the NBA. It is. Because if you, if you, if you watch the Cavs, the Cavaliers television broadcast is going to present a fun, positive broadcast. That's nice. For us, there's nothing I can be negative about with the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. I like these players. 
They have good personalities. I like Darius Garland. You know I love Darius Garland. I've almost started to really double down on my defense of Darius Garland. And Jared Allen is a hoot. And Isaac Okoro has come along. And Sam Merrill has been a pleasure. And even Craig Porter Jr., that great story from him personally, it's wonderful. But when you hear the national perspective of things about, well, this, that, and the other, it's not that great. Now, they're trying to move on from other things. They, they're, they're looking for rumors and innuendo and all the other things. But Brad Doherty spoke about it yesterday on Afternoon Drive with Nick Wilson. Because one of the questions I ask is that one, people can't really tell toughness regular season to regular season. And then when we think of toughness, we just think of guys slapping each other and swinging at each other. Right. What is Brad Doherty, a former Cavalier great, well, he's always a Cavalier great, and a legend, say about the toughness of the Cavs this season? Toughness is not about knocking a guy down or cheap shotting a guy. Toughness is about executing. And that's where the mental part, the mental toughness becomes more important than the physical toughness. You know, people sat and watched us play against New York last year. And, you know, they're like, well, Robinson knocked our guys around. He got all those offensive rebounds, blah, blah, blah. That all happened because we didn't execute. The lights were too bright and we were hesitant and we were in between. I do see that getting better and becoming more dense as far as being tough enough to succeed in the postseason. What do you think of what he just said? I think that they have gotten tougher, and I think that it's been on the margins. I th- it's so hard to prove to the general fan. It, it is until the – you will see it in the playoffs, but I think that there's even – there's an edge about this team, and I think you see it with guys picking up technical fouls like George Niang, like Max Struess. I think you saw it, and I know he's not been around for a few weeks now, and he won't be around for a few more weeks, but Tristan Thompson getting – Technical fouls, I believe he he essentially tried to get ejected from a game that the Cavs were up by 20 points. I think it was against Washington. That stuff didn't happen. And it's not to say that when the game ends, you can't go out and be nice guys. Because I think that locker room, as Darius Garland put it last year, there's a lot of nice young men in that locker room. There are. But that doesn't mean you can't be tough on the floor. And I think that we have seen this team can really be able to make that line between the on-court and off-court thing a real thing this year. Answer this as well before I go to these calls. Do these guys, I mean, you, you've you covered this team, you know, you write for Cleveland Magazine, the whole deal. Do these guys really like playing with each other? I think so. Okay. I, I really do. Then the pressure's on if they want to continue to keep playing with each other because if they get bounced in the first round, again, serious changes are coming. Absolutely. And, and if they get bounced in the first round, serious changes have to come. And – I guess that's really the thing that bothers me with the Donovan Mitchell conversation. Is he going to be here forever? I don't know. Is he going to sign a contract extension in Cleveland? I don't know. But he doesn't operate in that locker room, certainly not when the media is around. He doesn't operate like a guy that isn't happy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't operate like a guy that can't wait to get out of town. That's not who Donovan Mitchell has ever looked like he's been. He's never once been that type of guy in that locker room that I've seen. And I'm in there quite a bit. 216-474-0092. Jeffrey in Cleveland. Yellow. Yeah, hey, guys. Okay, I'm, I'm seeing out the Cavaliers. It's what i always seen since Donovan got there. Okay? The same thing last year, the year before that. Donovan goes out in the regular season, shoots his wide, and, and end up with no fuel in the tank for postseason, and the Cavs want it done. Well, I can't guarantee that there's going to be no fuel left in the tank by the end of the season. Tapped once. Why do Donovan have to score 40 points against the worst team in the league to win? And then almost lost that game. 
You know, well, wait, 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 wait. You know no what? Now, okay, your, your, your fear is not unfounded. But there's a reason why you know they okay. have to do that. He is not going to sit there and deal with this. They, they are a team that has to build confidence again during the regular season with toughness. Losing to the Detroit Pistons on a regular, in a regular season game on a weeknight is not going to build confidence. He knows that. But you're also dealing with Evan Mobley, who is still finding his spots on the floor, which, by the way, I'm about to give Jason Lloyd the win on that, but that's a different conversation for a different day. He's looked so he's, awesome. He's finding his spots on the floor from three. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm willing Sending to admit what I'm wrong. Right now. I'm a grown man. I'm willing to admit what I'm wrong. Yeah, Good God. This, I'm secure. Jeffrey, second of Hold on. Jeffrey, 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 Jeffrey. The other part of it is, is that you got Evan trying to figure it out. And remember, Darius is still on a minutes restriction. So who... Who do you trust him to pass it to when you really just got to, hey, let's let's hit the gas and, and win this basketball game? Uh, it's got to be Bickerstaff. He's got to find a way. He can't pass it to Bickerstaff. Pass it. Yeah, that's that's I asked you a question, Jeff. It's who, a turnover. You, who, who is going to be Every the time. number two option when Evan Mobley was coming back from injury and Darius Garland is still on a minutes restriction? Allen. You just want to throw the ball to the block the whole day? Let him ISO? You know, Donovan, Don, Donovan has a problem with. That's why he's like, he'll never be a LeBron because LeBron know how to preserve. Only one of those going to be LeBron, Jeffrey. Donovan. we gotta do this. We gotta do that. You can't. No one's gonna be LeBron, Jeffrey. Damn it. There's there's one of those guys. Pass it to Austin Carr. Let's see what he can do. Someone compares That's him to LeBron again. Too. Oh. Someone compares him to LeBron again. I'm I'm just gonna do. And maybe we're I'm so do, I'm going to do here. draft radio. You compare LeBron James to Donovan Mitchell again. We're going to do draft radio on who oh, the Browns right. need to take with their second-round pick. And maybe that's been the I'm problem. I'm going to threaten you. Maybe we've been too spoiled because of the postseason success he brought. We're not just with the, the championship win, but that you could pencil in being in the finals every year. Some maybe you, that's our problem. Some here. of you guys want to sit there and bitch my ear off about, well, you guys don't talk. Okay, well, you call in with that again, that type of thing again. We're just going to sit here and talk about second-round picks. Donovan's awesome. He is. There's no debate there. But no one should be compared to LeBron James. No one. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Now I'm not in a good mood. Craig in Brexville. Hey, Craig. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing good. Okay. How are Go you? Go ahead. Good. You know, so you talk about Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is a better player without Darius Garland on the floor. And the reason is because Donovan Mitchell is going to get his twenty shots a game, whether Donovan's whether um, uh, Darius is there or not. And when he's got the ball in his hand, he takes 20 better shots than he does when, when Garland's getting his 10 to 12 or 14 shots a game. He moves the ball better. He penetrates better. And I think that the chemistry that those two have is really going to be a problem as they go forward. And it's not the defense. It's not anything else. I think it's, I think it's Donovan Mitchell is a better basketball player when he's not sharing the ball with Darius Garland. What do you think? I think there's a trust issue at some point. Uh, I do, but I also believe that they know that they're not going to get I think Donovan Mitchell's smart enough to know, and he's already a veteran enough to know that he's got to get Darius Garland involved or they're not going to do anything of what they want to do in the, in the postseason. He knows he has to get Darius involved. And when Darius is out because he broke his jaw, Craig, and he's on a minutes restriction, that makes it more difficult. That's the way I see it. Danny, if you got a different well, and, answer, and you go I ahead. See it, I see it as if Donovan is someone that can raise his level of play when he needs to. And I think Donovan's done a really good job of that this year. When the Cavs need him to go out and be great, he's able to do that. When Darius has it going on, and it's been tough this year because Darius has been in and out of the lineup. He didn't find a rhythm, found a rhythm, then fractured his jaw. 
I get it. But to say that he's better, I think it's because he raises the level and he has to put more on his shoulders. But to say that it doesn't work when, in reality, the Cavs outscore teams by 10 points per 100 possessions when those two are on the floor together, it's tough for me to say that it doesn't work. Well, yeah, but don't you – I mean, when you look at the shots he gets, I mean, he just looks like a more fluid basketball player when he's got the ball in his hand than he does. I mean, he's going to get his 20, and it just seems like the 20 the twenty shots he gets seem to be a better quality shot when he's not sharing the ball with Garland. Listen, Craig, I, I can't deny it. I'm not I'm not denying it right now, but I, I do think that he knows and they know that if, if he is the only – option down the stretch I mean <laughs> I almost said something that the last caller said I was gonna have to walk out of the room myself Craig uh, and thank you very much for the call if they don't do that if they can't get other guys involved and make Darius a second option then I think that they know their goose is going to be cooked either in the first round or the second round again and that's going to be a problem like they have to be able to share it together they have to be able to do it together because right now I don't know if Evan Mobley is ready to be the second option right and but I do think I don't, I don't think it's not that I don't know. I don't think he's ready to be the second. second I think option. the Cavs have done a really good job, especially since Mobley and Garland returned from their injuries, of structuring their minutes as well as they can. Where Garland and Mitchell are playing 16 minutes per game together, and we're going to see that number start to go up a little bit as Garland gets off of a minute restriction. But those two aren't, it's not as if they're playing 35 minutes where they're both on the floor. That's not happening. Now in the playoffs, it's probably closer to 25 minutes where on their on the floor together. And then they're going to get, you know, the, their eight to 10 minutes, eight minutes mostly away from each other. And that's when they can shine individually. But I think that the Cavs have done a really good job of separating them while also allowing them to have moments together. Like where you saw against Chicago, where they can both help close out the game that they did on Wednesday night. Has last season affected your feelings towards this season? It's been a f- sensational run. They've lost, what, three games in all the year of 2024. David and Macedonia, you're next up on the fan. Oh, man, the Cavs are great. I'm, I'm not worried about the Cavs at all. And I agree with you gentlemen 100%. You know, if they, they're doing the minutes just fine, play with the rosters, find who that second guy is going to be before we get to the playoffs. And no matter who the Browns draft in the second round, they're not going to be LeBron, Ken. That's not how it works, David. No, you're trying to troll me, and that's not how it works. You have to say Donovan Mitchell's not going to be LeBron. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to subject everybody else to it now. Love I'll you, see buddy. You in hell. Yeah, I love you too. Goodbye. No, 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 no. You ain't going to do that. You ain't going to do that. There's certain threats that I can make, that and, and that was a threat I can make, but you can't just sit there and troll me on it. Coming in hot, 940. I'm going to do it. We are going to do it. I, that, that sounds That's like a threat That's the place itself. where you can sit and troll And I'm going to tell you right now. Well, no, no. I'm going to tell you guys right now. You guys decide to mess around during that one. I almost said the other word. You guys decide to mess around during coming in hot, and I got to dump you guys. I'm going to ask the most diabolical question you've ever heard in your entire life about Cleveland Browns football. You are going to hate yourself and hate the callers for making me have to dump them, and then we have to only be able to talk amongst ourselves and ruin coming in hot. I swear to God, I have that thing sitting in my back pocket. It's the worst possible question you would want to be asked about the Cleveland Browns as a Cleveland Browns fan. And damn it, I'm telling you right now, I'll ask it, and I'll make everybody in this room answer the damn thing. I can't wait And it's not going to be because of me. It's going to be because of you. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you guys. I can guarantee you. I can't wait for it. I, I 
it's hard for me to tell everybody how much tougher the Cavs are when it, it it's still like I got Lyman in there. Lyman knows what he's looking at. I got you in there. You know what you're looking at. I try to know what I'm looking at. Like I'm I'm not gonna lie to everybody. Like I've learned how to watch basketball when I did play by play with Ashland, and it still can be all right. What am I really seeing here? What am I really seeing that is involved in toughness? That's why it's like with Brad Doherty, one of the worst things you can call a team is not tough. Because it, for the fans, yes, it's for the fans, it is a total it is a total dissuasion from what they want to do with their team. It's a representation of them. They want to be tough. Fans always feel tough. To be taught, called soft is one of the worst things you could say because it demoralizes a fan base. And you go from last year where they were laughing at you, and it felt as bad as it could. Mitchell Robinson laughing at you in the postgame after game five. I mean, it was as ugly as it could possibly be. If I go to that, to this level, they can only prove it during the regular season, and we're still right here in the middle of February. And that doesn't mean cocking back and swinging at everybody. No. You know, there's no Kendrick Perkins in there, and we got our own situation with Kendrick Perkins in the media right now. 216-474-0092. Daryl Ryder going to join us at 8 o'clock. Would the 49ers be willing to deal with your Cleveland Browns. And coming up next, how much and how far can I go before I have to tell my wife, fix my life, next on The Fan. <laughs> Yesterday, I don't know what came over, over me. I Well, actually, I saw a guy go to Axel's basketball. And he was wearing this excellent Cavaliers jacket. And I remembered it yesterday, after right after the podcast with Owen. And I decided, I was like, I got to go look at a jacket, jackets. And I found this Cavs like blue satin jacket, blue and orange, blue and orange. Yeah, like the oh, it was nice. It was real. The old Cavs logo across the chest, and I go, I seize it and I wants it, and I sent it to Liz, and then I went, eh, I don't know if I want to. And Liz goes, well, why? And I go, it's a little frivolous, don't you think? What was the price tag? One hundred nineteen dollars. And so I brought this up to Owen, and Owen's like, why don't you just buy it? And you go, $119 is a bit much. And then it gave me the idea because he thought that was a little bit silly of me. He called me words that uh, that rhyme with words I still can't say on the air. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. See which ones we can get out. How much, yeah. you willing to, how much you willing to spend without telling your fiance? How much you willing to spend without telling your girlfriend? How much you willing to spend without telling your, your uh, wife? Because me... I call. I remember one time I had to go, a couple weeks ago, Eli got hurt on the playground. And I was like, I'm going to get him Monster Trucks. And I went and got a Monster Trucks, and I just happened to go into the Target because I'm like, well, I'll just walk in there. I ain't going to get nothing on the pickup thing. And it's been years since I've actually gone shopping. And I had, I was like, really? well, we need some other knickknacks here and there. And I walked out, and it was like 108 bucks, and my heart, like, dropped. I'm like, oh, I got to call Liz and tell her I spent $108. And she, like, did not care whatsoever and thought it was did silly. Did she just laugh I was wasting. At, at your she Target experience? She, she told me I was wasting her time. Calling her to tell her I spent $108 <laughs> at Target for things we needed. So what's your line of like, okay, I have to go. I have to call Liz. I clearly, it's less, clearly, it's less than $100. I think 50 bucks for me is. Really? Yeah, because, well, first off, I don't, I have no concept of what I make. I have no concept of the bills. I've not done that in years. She takes care of everything. I don't know my codes. I don't know anything. I have no idea. You don't like you nope. don't know your ATM pin. Nope, I don't call off. I don't. I like when we schedule days off. Liz schedules that. I don't schedule that. I have no idea how to do that. Wow. At the other places that I uh, I have uh, employment and contracts with, she does all the invoices, everything. I have no idea. 
She handles everything. So she is your agent in addition to being your wife. Yes, and that was not like this is not a uh, this is not a Ricky the Dragon steamboat deal. I I wanted it like this, and and that's how we do's it. And so I anything like over fifty bucks, I get a little nervous about, and I don't know why. I don't know why, but that's the way it is. And everybody looked at me yesterday like I had turds falling out of my mouth. Yeah. So I, how much? Probably a couple hundred. I, I would. I think 150 is probably about the line where I would tell Brittany that, hey, you know, this is not the cheapest thing in the world. That's okay. that's about where the line is for me. Certainly not. Hundred dollars. I would go a little over a hundred dollars. Um, well, where do you go further from a hundred dollars? What's a little over? Like 123 dollars might I, be just a little I think 150 dollars is about the line. 150. Typically, unless it's. You know, buying something for her, obviously, I'm not going to tell her that. I think that's a little bit of a different conversation. If it's something for us or for me, I think about $150 is where I start to say, okay, I have to tell Brittany about this. Owen? Well, generally, anytime I get up in those figures, it's for for my wife anyway. But we have a different situation. We are separated monetarily. Well, for reasons that yeah. everybody would understand. Right. So. I can do as I wish with mine, but generally I have such a problem spending money on myself. There are times where I'm like, damn it, I want this. I'm going to the store and I get to the store. I drive all, sometimes it's 45 minutes away and I get there and I look at it and I go, I don't want to spend money on that. And then I just turn around and leave. Yep. What a waste of time. But usually it's on her or it's the kids, some sort of sports thing. There has been times where I don't say exactly how much we spend on a pair of cleats because she will find that. Uh, Cause I, I've always been under the, if my kids are performing at a high level, I will spend a little more on their stuff. Really? Yes. Yeah, so I think that's a good way to look at it. So I'm like, if you put in the effort, we'll get you the nicer thing. Right. Well, she's like, you, how much are you spending on these cleats? This is the third pair of cleats this year. I'm like, yeah, they did a lot of stuff. They went through them or, yeah. or they're they in a growth out. spurt right now. And it happens. That's true. So I just go, Oh, I got these on discount. Don't worry about it. I find it makes me feel better if I just forward these things to Liz and she buys them. Cause I'm like, okay, she feels that this is justified and needed. This cast code is excellent. Well, and she will. It's so excellent. I can't wait well, to show did, everybody she'll put this the squash code. on it too. If she thinks it's a privileged thing, well, right? she thought it was stupid. Yeah. She would do it. But I'm like, but I meet, I sent it to her. I was like, no, don't buy it. Don't buy it. And she's like, why? And I go, it's frivolous. Because I'm like, I could buy a jacket anywhere. Right. But this is a satin calves jacket. But then nice. I started thinking about it. I go, yeah, but I mean, when's the weather perfect for a satin calves jacket? Because you're not going to wear the damn thing. I'm sure it's not going to be like a heavy thing. So like, it, I'm not going to wear it in cold weather. First round of the playoffs. And I tend to run hot. You said first round of the playoffs. Okay. But it's got to be yeah. dry outside, too. That's not a, yeah, that's not be, a yeah. wet weather coat. I'm going to be wearing that thing out in the sopping wet. As long as it's not raining in the first round of the playoffs. There we go. Did you discuss this, Mitch, with this girl you went on a walk with yesterday? This specifically? No. Yeah. How was your walk? It was pretty good. It was cold, cold, cold to the point where I would have needed a jacket like that. I would have used that. a satin calves jacket. Well, guess would she what? have been impressed? If you're a good boy, maybe I'll let you borrow it. I don't know if you're my <laughs> size. You guys can wrap up together. What are you trying to say, Mitch? I'm not trying to say anything. I just said you're you might just not be my size. We're two different sizes. What does that mean? We are we have two different sizes. But if if it fits me, wouldn't it cover you? It would cover me, probably. Okay, let's make sure of that. Yeah. Because I know what you were implying. <laughs> so about 150 bucks, you said? Yeah. So I, I, I think th that's a fair well, line. So naturally I'm okay, huh? 
Yeah, I, I, I think you should have just bought that jacket and been fine with it. No, no, no. But I also didn't I know have, your situation. I, I'm where, racked with guilt over a lot of things. Liz handles all that. Oh yeah, she handles. Everything. I was not aware of. That I have situation. no idea what's in any account whatsoever. None. It is a blissful ignorance. I will tell you that. Yeah, I don't know how you live life like that. Oh man, it's perfect. It's so awesome. <laughs> I love it. I, it's so great. I mean, I'm I'm terrible at math, and I just get so okay, like so, I, I'm never comfortable. I'm always nervous, and it's just oh god, I love 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 living that way. So let me ask you this. Yeah, I saw you out of state in Indiana this fall yeah. in Indiana. Yeah, where you were with friends, Liz was not there. Mm-hmm. When you go on a trip like that, where she and the kids are not with you, do you have like an allowance that no. you're allowed to spend? No, I spent like a bastard. You just take cash and say, here's... My buddy does. He did. But you don't? Like, do you have to call her with any purchases you she make? Know, well, she knows. Like, when I say I spend like a bastard, I bought like two dinners for me and my buddy. Uh, I, I bought you a tank of gas. bill on dinner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I, I you know, the night, the drinks and everything, I, I bought two of them. Because uh, my buddy is not cheap. He's a lot of things. He's not cheap. My buddy, Brett. Um, so he that's fine. Uh, but when I say I spent like a bastard, I just spent more than I usually would on things I wouldn't spend them on. Like, I, I honestly, what I spend my money on is gas uh, and beer. I buy bottom shelf liquor because I like bottom shelf liquor, and I don't think I deserve anything above that. That's and and that's part of it. Because I, Well, because I sit there and I do. I say, like, oh, I like to drink, and I like to drink my drinks. Not if it affects my business, but I like to drink my drinks. I'm not going to drink some whistle pig or whatever the hell it is for $100. And knock that bottle down. No, I'm a bottom shelf guy. I'm gonna have some black velvet. That's the way it's gonna there. go. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna treat myself, if it's, if it's whatever day it is, a holiday, a birthday, whatever, I'm gonna buy some Jack Daniels. I've, I've, I've shared this story. I'm a very simple man to please. I wouldn't buy my own clothes. My wife buys my clothes. I have no idea on any of it. So less than a hundred dollars. I've learned so much today. Yeah, you have. I'm in control of nothing in my home, and I like it that way. I'm the enforcer. To my children, and that's it. As long as you're happy. Like double A. Arn Anderson. I got to tell you, I am thrilled. Good. Yeah. Not the other double A. No. He enforced nothing. Well, he, you got to be honest. I mean, he just got engaged. The other double A is not wearing any pants in that house whatsoever. Not a chance. But the other double A, that guy would enforce. Coming up next, Daryl Ryder. Would the 49ers be willing to deal with your Cleveland Browns? Maybe Brandon Ayuk, somebody? Ken Carmen, Danny Cunningham. In for Tone, coming in hot, 940 on the fan. Oh, hell. All right, Daryl Ryder joins us right now. It's brought to you by Shivin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry, jewelry store. Daryl, how the hell are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing wonderful. Danny Cunningham in with me today. Daryl, you may or may not know that. Lima is still uh, dealing with his children, uh, now multiple. Uh, Daryl, <laughs> I hear from Aberbury yesterday that possibly the 49ers might be willing to make a deal are the Browns, would the Browns be interested? Well, I mean, look, Andrew Barry is one of the more aggressive GMs uh, in the league. He has uh, yet to have a quiet offseason. So, yeah, I mean, if there is, you know, ways to upgrade uh, the current roster through a trade, although I don't know that the Browns have much that anyone wants. Um, but, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I would say that, uh, you know, Barry – We'll explore any and all options to make it a better team going into the 2024 season. 
Daryl, why do you think the Browns have had difficulties with drafting a wide receiver and having that at that specific position be an immediate impact? Um, I, I think, uh, you know, combination of where they're picking, combination of the player pick, combination of lack of development uh, at the position, which, again, it surprises me that the receiver coaches survived because um, I don't think that there was a lot of development outside of, uh, you know, Omar Cooper having uh, an outstanding se- uh, season at that particular position. But, yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it's just one thing. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens can't draft a receiver to save their life either. Uh, and, and they, you know, they, they've been trying to do that since well, they, they did got to finally, Baltimore. They did finally get Zay Flowers. They did finally yeah. get him. But I understand what you're saying. Historically, they have been swinging and a-missing. Yeah, so – um, but yeah, it, it, I think it's a combination of things. It's not just one single reason. Uh, well, Daryl, you said going back to the last question. I mean, you brought up, you know, who would be worth it f- from the Browns' perspective, and I, I think that's the first question a lot of people brought up. You know, we had Mary Kay on yesterday, and I, you know, what? Damn it, Daryl, I didn't even think about this because I asked about Jed Wills, like the same questions I've asked you before about Jed Wills' future with the new offensive line coach and everything like that, and. He, you know, there's a poss- is there a possibility? I don't know if – I'm not saying there is, but is there? I want to ask you a possibility that Jack Conklin, if healthy, could be on the move, maybe to Tennessee or something like that. No, I mean, look, I, you, you never say never, but um, he is coming off injury. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to get for him? You know, it's been a while since he's played a complete season. So um, I, I think that's – easier for us to talk about and maybe a little harder in reality to, to pull off as far as a, a trade goes. But look, when you look at the, the offensive line with Andy Dickerson, you know, coming in to, to, to be the new coach with, you know, Phil Callahan, his kid in Tennessee now, um, well, I, I think that, you know, it's certainly fair to contemplate what changes to that group will be made because, Who's to say that, you know, the, the, the players in that room, as good as they may be, who, who's to say that they fit what they're trying to now accomplish up front uh, with new offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey in the mix, too? Like, there's, so uh, you, you got contracts, you got uh, where they are in their career, you got injury history, you've got scheme and technique, and there, there's – you know, this offensive line, you know, I, I think there's a chance it could get, it could look a little different uh, come the fall. Uh, and if not this fall, then probably next fall in 2025. But um, when you change your offensive coordinator, you change your offensive line uh, coaches, uh, either by choice or by circumstance, it, it it's reasonable to think that, you know, the way you were doing things the last four years is not how you're going to be doing things going forward. Should there be pressure to have Dewan Jones on the field? No, because he's not making any money. The, the the pressure to put people on the field is for Conklin and, and Wills because those dudes you're you're paying like a combined $30 million to. I think the so. pressure is to put it on Dewan Jones just because he's better than those yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, you want to have your best five, and yeah, I think but, he's but, part of but it. But, Daryl, I understand, I understand what you're saying about the money that's being paid to the other two. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you are not going to pay $15 million to a player that you are not playing. That's just not how this works. So, um, you know, 
good that they got depth. And um, considering the injury history of both of those uh, players, it's good they have depth. Daryl, Jason Lloyd wrote about the stadium yesterday uh, in The Athletic. Is there a possibility we could get marijuana taxes to pay for a new stadium? (laughs) I think that there's uh, a lot of things uh, under consideration to try and find ways to fund the, you know, public portion uh, of the dome. Um, You know, right now uh, the Browns are working on, uh, and I talked about this on the latest It's Always Game Day in Cleveland podcast. Uh, I I wrote about it when I uh, uh, wrote about the potential of them acquiring that land in Brook Park that, um, you know, the Browns are already working on conceptual ideas behind the scenes of what a new dome will look like. Um, That's just kind of part of the process. If you're going to think about buying some land, obviously you're going to think of what you're going to put on said land, but um, that that's the challenge. Uh, is how to pay uh, for this. Uh, the, the Vikings are, I, I think, the model. Um, they, they paid their stadium off in less than a decade uh, with the, the charitable pull tabs thing that they did up in Minnesota. Uh, and as Jason wrote, that's not to say that's going to work here in Ohio. Uh, you know, obviously we have the, the sports betting gambling uh, revenue, which um, my understanding is uh, sports betting kind of big here in the state of Ohio. So why can't you divert a portion of those uh, proceeds since those are the actual customers, right? Uh, consuming uh, professional product, uh, athletics products, you know, why don't you take and, uh, you know, move some of that money uh, towards uh, stadium financing, not just for the Browns, but the Bengals, uh, they're in the middle of a, uh, a uh, whatever they call that stadium down there, the formerly known as Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, they're in the middle of a tune-up down there with that building, um, about sixty million dollars uh, this off-season split between the team and the and the public. Um, so it doesn't look like they're actually going to build new. But like you know, the, you have the problem of not just constructing these buildings, but maintaining them uh, and keeping them up to date. And so uh, I think that uh, this year is going to be very, very important uh, on the political side as far as figuring out what to do, because they can't come up with a billion dollars to renovate the existing one. Uh, What are you going to do when the the, the price tag for a new dome is twice the cost uh, of a renovation? How are you going to come up with the money to, to, to handle that? So. Um, there's going to be a lot of back and forth this year, I think, uh, not only between the Browns, uh, but, you know, with, uh, uh, the politicians. And we've already seen that with, uh, the Browns putting out the statement a couple of weeks ago, and then quickly the city of Cleveland put something out. And so, um, it's only beginning, but you know, the, the clock is ticking. The, the lease is up like in five years. So <laughs> they got to get this thing figured out this year. Daryl, with all the back and forth, with the statements, with buying land in Brook Park, and all the negotiating tactics that go on, I think we kind of lose sight at some point. But what do you actually think the Haslam family wants? Like, what is their ideal scenario for a new stadium? Uh, They want a dome. Like, yeah, (laughs) they want a dome. And I don't blame them. Uh, Because you can do more with a dome than you can do with the existing building you have. And... The issue is, I, I see people say, oh, there's nothing wrong with Cleveland Brown Stadium. 
There's a lot wrong with that stadium. It is one of the worst stadiums in the National Football League. It wasn't built well. It was built on a rush. It wasn't designed well. Uh, you can't, uh, you're limited in how you can retrofit the thing. Um, part of the reason the, the renovation costs a billion dollars is because when they built it in the first place, some genius decided, ah, we, we only need to dig out half the stadium to put locker rooms and stuff in instead of doing a full 360 like every other stadium in the world has for a service level. Like that, that in and of itself, un- digging all that out and underpinning and that's going to cost a small fortune to fix. So, um, and, and the Haslam put some lipstick on that pig back in 2014 and 2015 when they put $100 million of their own money into the thing um, uh, to, just to, you know, modernize it so you can actually see the scoreboards a little bit and, and hear what's being said over the PA system. Like, the building was obsolete the day it opened its doors. You know, I remember what Al Lerner had to, fork out the money for the escalators because they took that out of the design. They, they kept chopping so much stuff out of the design to, to keep it within the original budget because the construction costs were soaring. So um, this is the, the price to be paid for not doing the project right the first time. And they've been able to kind of limp this thing along. And I, I just, you, I, I think that you're at a point that it's not worth investing in that building. If, if you're going to talk about a billion-plus-dollar investment in a facility that's already choked off from a city, like, you know, let's not be clutching the pearls about the economic impact that the Browns have on downtown Cleveland. West 6th, sure, there's impact there. Our tailgate is awesome every season. But, like, Football fans, they go to a parking lot, fire up the grill, drink the beers, go to the game, get in the car after the game, and they go home. You know, they're not wandering around downtown Cleveland, uh, you know, like you see at Gateway with the Cavaliers and the Guardians. It's 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 just different. And, you know, the, the new renovation plans for the lakefront, stuff like that, uh, a lot of the tailgate lots go bye-bye. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, and, and, and also, let's not act like they're moving out to Richfield or they're moving down to Akron or they would be moving down to Canton. Like, that, that's, the, the, the site, first of all, it used to be owned by the city of Cleveland. They swapped it with Brook Park for the IX Center. That was years ago. People forget that. That's where the old Ford plant is. That's number one. Number two, it's a stone's throw over the, the, the city limit line there. Like, it's right there and again used to be city of cleveland land so uh, I, I don't think that this is as traumatic of a thing um and yes there would be tax revenue there's tax revenue involved and i understand all that but if that stadium that dome get would get were to be built in brook park you you can make up tax revenue by developing the land probably the way it should have been done uh after a municipal stadium got torn down and had a stadium built elsewhere. So, um, yeah, you're, you're just – you're paying the price for not doing this thing right. And I, I give the Haslam's credit. They've given themselves uh, enough runway to go through all the options and make a really informed decision uh, about what makes the most sense, what's more, most feasible, uh, you know, for 2029. 
Daryl, uh, it, it, it was seen yesterday, USA Today, that um, you know the accusers' lawyers are looking to have Deshaun Watson testify in these civil suits. Uh, how close of attention are we paying to it this summer, considering you know the NFL could re-examine things if they find out more information? Yeah, it, it, I mean, he, there is a double jeopardy thing here. Um, uh, my understanding is that uh, under the terms of the original uh, agreement, disciplinary agreement, that uh, unless the um, the the allegations that were levied against Watson change significantly, um, that he will not be suspended. That is the only thing that um, I think is worth monitoring from an NFL disciplinary standpoint is if uh, one of these cases happens to make it to trial and the allegations against Deshaun change and um, the uh, seriousness of those allegations is is increased as well. Otherwise, I think he's covered. Um, and the only thing that, aside from going through that legal process and the uh, you know the public shame and embarrassment that would come with that, I, I don't believe Deshaun will face additional suspension. So yes, it's obviously uh, worth watching um, to you know see if. Um, the, you know, the allegations are different, but if they remain in line with what we have already heard him be accused of in the time frame which he was accused of, then I do not believe the NFL will levy additional punishment against him. Hey, Daryl, is that a good idea? How good of an idea is this to have first pitch at around 310 on April 8th, right when the Eclipse is supposed to happen. That's a horrible idea. It's an awesome idea. <laughs> well, that it wasn't my idea. Awesome. Thank God. Thank God it wasn't mine. A, that was a. That's horrible. You trying to get someone killed? No. It's awesome. Boom. Where are the glasses? Yeah, da, 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 da. yeah. Just do it at five ten. Let everyone enjoy the thing. And yes. Wear the glasses. Do not stare idea. into the sun. It's a great do not idea. Do, Don't tell me do, what do to do, do. Daryl. Damn it. <laughs> hey, I'm just – I want you to be able to see on October 8th at about 5, 10 p.m. I want you to be able to see that first pitch, Ken. I'm looking out for you. Okay. Daryl, <laughs> thank you very much for the time. All the best. You bet, guys. Have a great weekend. Good. You too. Come on. You know it's getting closer because it's becoming a more hot-button issue. Every day. I'll take one call and we're going to move on. Demos, hello. Good morning. Uh, you know, Daryl and I are both from Warren, but that's where the, the uh, everything ends. I don't care where you're comparison. from. So the, uh, the, the whole notion of the stadium it, you know, he couches his opinion as like he's some kind of expert, like an architect. And Daryl's a licensed contractor by the state of Ohio. Okay, and uh, yeah, Knock he's licensed. Off. Not in the mood for that. He's also today. a neurologist. Anyway, he uh, yeah, that too, and a lawyer. I heard in the last one because 
there's the Roger Goodell doesn't have any kind of double jeopardy. He's the judge, jury, and executioner on Deshaun Watson. Ooh, tough so, talking demos. Don't Surprise. worry about that. But I'm the stadium was built ex- explicitly for the wind in in Cleveland. The prevailing wind now, comes in the open end. I need to see your end. credentials. I need, yeah. If you're going to accuse Are Darryl, you an architect of not about architecture, I, I need I'm to see your credentials. Your I'm old enough to remember when it was built and why it Darryl's looks like Daryl's old enough to remember when it's built, yeah, too, Demos. I don't care. He's full of crap. And because when you <laughs> look at the, the whole, <laughs> <Yes>. whole north. We got some calls today, don't we? You're making me think twice that, about so coming So the in one high. caller that calls in every time and goes, we don't need a dome. It's calling in to tell us more about the wind and all that. Good job. Same call. Built for the prevailing every winds Every time that Cleveland. we talk about the stadium. Same call every time. Keep it up, Demos. Well, it is. Every time. No, hold, now, hold on. Now, that part I disagree with. Now, I'm, I'm splitting hairs well, here. I'm parsing words here. Well, you can't kick me. I mean, I could. I mean, you could come over, but good luck. So who will push the button? Who will do it? That's right. If I don't have you to push your buttons, we can't do coming in hot. I'm not pushing the button. Nope. I don't know how. The, the thing, Darryl, he can't come on and just rip Darryl's credentials when I don't know his credentials. Second of all, from Warren. I will say, and I am, I am splitting hairs here, which I don't care. I, I don't. <laughs> I, what does that have to do with the price of fish? I drank with the old mayor of Warren once. How was that? It was excellent. Good. It was excellent. Congratulations on all your success. Bet your ass. It was a good time. It's a real good time. Where at? City uh, Hall? Um, no, it was the night before Thanksgiving. And all through the house? <laughs> that's Thanksgiving, not Christmas. Yeah, it's a different one. Yeah. No, nah, I was supposed to go. Eh, what the hell? I was supposed to go pick up. This girl I was seeing I was supposed to go pick up her dad. Because I guess he only. From the bar? He only had. Yeah, he only had drink. He, was a, he, he still is. He's a great guy. But he only had drinks like once a year, and it was once a year. That day? In, on Thanksgiving Eve. And I went to pick him up, and they go, hey, have a drink. Have a, uh, have a drink. And then, you know, then I had to get picked up. Things so, escalated. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's okay. You know, what are you going to do? It's the night before Thanksgiving. You know, these, these things happen. It's tradition. What the hell is I saying? Oh, yeah. If we're going to do this, I do have to say, and, oh, and I know you didn't mean this. Bless you. But they have to. There have to be both sides. I have to be able to hear both sides. I can't just sit there because then it's it looks – I have to be fair. Like, I, I've been upfront and honest. I'm a sports talk radio show host in the city of Cleveland. What makes the teams – what makes the teams – I don't want to say happy, but what keeps the teams here is what keeps my bread buttered. So I'm always open and honest about that. But I can't just sit there and say, well, you don't like the stadium and that's it. I, so I don't want to – I just don't want to scare anybody out of it and think that we're not – we're not hearing no, both sides. No, I'd of this. be open to hearing further thoughts about things, but I it's the it's the continual same thought. You're right. You are right, but it's the same thought from the same caller. Correct. And that's and if there's pe- new people listening or driving through, I just I want to no, be able I, to know. I enjoy conversation and welcome it to the program. He enjoys dialogue. Owen's sure done for it. That it's gonna say it on my tombstone one day. <laughs> ah. What's this viral take you had? So, I think it was Yahoo Sports, and this was after the Super Bowl. They tweeted out, who's closer to the GOAT? Is it Mahomes to Brady or LeBron to Michael Jordan? And I quote tweeted it, and essentially what I was trying to do was, like, it was my clever way of saying that LeBron is better than Jordan because I, I believe LeBron to be the greatest basketball player and the best basketball player 
we've ever seen. So I tweeted out that I think Mahomes is closer to Tom Brady's greatness than Michael Jordan is to LeBron's. The hell does that mean, though? It means what I meant it to mean is that LeBron is greater than Jordan. That's what I was getting at. Some people picked up on that. Some people got mad about that. I went to bed. It had like 500 likes. I woke up. It had 5,000 likes, and I don't know how it got there. And it just it destroyed my so Twitter all you're for an saying entire is day. LeBron is better than Jordan. That's basically what that tweet was, and it took. But off. you're saying Mahomes is better than Tom Brady? No. So Tom Brady's better than Mahomes. Well, Brady or Mahomes is still chasing Brady in yeah, your eyes. And that's there is what no I have. Chase. And I don't, I don't think LeBron's chasing Jordan anymore. I understand I where you're coming from. Him. Well, yeah, but you, then you said it's greater than. So is LeBron way ahead of Michael Jordan to you? I think he's significantly ahead of him. I do. And how? Be, because of everything that LeBron has done, when you add in just how good he's been at basketball, he is – Michael Jordan was a great scorer, and he was a great winner. But I think LeBron has been better at so much more inside the game than Michael was. And when you add in the fact that he's now done this for 20, what, 21 years this is, when you add in the longevity to it, we've never seen someone do the things LeBron has done this deep into a career. The only argument there is for Michael Jordan is, well, he's got six rings. That's it. That, there's not another argument there. It's He's got six rings, 6-0 and oh in the finals. You're crazy. No, that's, that's what everyone's You're argument crazy. with Michael Jordan is. It's... He's got six rings. Well, he does have six rings. Right. But it, like, I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't have six rings. That's part of the facts. He has six rings. Correct. But that's that's what <laughs> I, every know, Jordan you, argument what, falls what? back on. Listen, I'm, I gave it up a couple of years ago. I said, because my whole thing, and people got mad at me, my whole thing about LeBron James, I think it was last year I finally gave it up. Once you say somebody's better than somebody who's retired, that's it. That's the end of the argument. Yeah. There's no more. Because that person can't defend themselves. So I think that needs to be held in high regard. I can't just sit there and go, eh, LeBron's better than Jordan, and that's it. But you're, you're saying way better than Jordan. Come on, man. I think it's, that's, it, to me, it's significant. The only thing I can say is, come on, man. To me, it it's is, significant. It is not significant. It I is have, not significant. But, you cannot say a guy who has four rings compared to six and does get people involved. He does, he does, he does, he does. But Michael Jordan, I'm sure he made other people money. Sure, I'm no sure doubt. he led the team. I'm sure that he paid the fiddler for all those things. I, I'm pointing out that you can't say he's significantly better than Michael Jordan, Danny. I think when you get to a point where I've, I have felt LeBron's been better than Jordan. This is almost since. as bad as the solar eclipse take you have. No, they're both correct. Um, Might be the dumbest thing said on the radio this week on the fan. I believe I started really feeling this way, not the significant portion of it, in 2018. Like, after that playoff run, it's like, okay, I just – I don't believe that there's ever been anyone that's been better at basketball than LeBron. And when the resume stacks up to the greatness. And that was, at this point, six years ago. So if – So to, just because you said me, it before everybody else, no, that no, means no, he's no, way No, because there, the, were, the, there the, were people the that, that have said it before me. I'm not going to act like I'm some yeah, trendsetter. Right. right, correct, yeah. I got it. For, I stole his take, actually. You going to grow your hair out, too? No. No, I can't do that. Because he did his. He looks like the guy in Con Air. <laughs> I've not seen that movie, but you're right. He does. Nick Cage. Go ahead. After feeling like that from 2018 on, and it's not as if the gap, because you brought up the point Michael Jordan's retired, and you're correct. He can't defend himself. He can't further that basketball legacy. He can't further that resume. But he is retired. Correct. 
But LeBron has for six years since then. I think in that six years. So he just had more time? Well, no, it's that he's been great for six years since. That sounds like a six-year recency bias, though. No, it's adding to what he had already done. That's creating the significance for me. Like, if if LeBron would have retired in 2018, instead of going from the Cavs to the Lakers, just would have called it quits, I would have felt LeBron's the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. But the fact that he's had six years of stuff after that, Makes it significant. It Force, adds to it. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Is Danny right or Danny wrong? I, I'm, that's not a new segment. Danny right. Danny wrong. There was a guy dancing Danny right. He was on the radio. Is Danny right or Danny wrong? I think you're wrong. I, I mean, LeBron's better, but LeBron ain't, ain't that much better. But if you're if you're tripping over, you know, it's just the significance is the only thing that's wrong with that argument. We'll I think phone. I've got a point. We'll get the phone. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. That and uh, Brandon Tierney joins us at nine from WFAN in New York. We'll talk to him about this as well. Ken Carmen, Danny, Danny Cunningham, in for tone on the fan. Brandon Tierney, WFAN. We'll ask him a national, a different perspective. I mean, it's a New York perspective on the Eastern Conference. Swall's All Star stuff coming up. Danny says LeBron's way better than Michael Jordan. Here we are. A lot of people agreed with me on the internet. I, I was surprised not on, by that. Not on my internet. They don't. I understand the path. I think that I think LeBron forged a new trail. Right? They're not. He stopped chasing Michael at some point, right? And went beside him, and now is a third bat. Mahomes has not done that yet. He's. I think Correct. he's going to. So, and, and this gets back to what we talked about last time I was on this show: the best versus greatest argument that. Ken, you don't necessarily agree with, but I believe Patrick Mahomes is, I've never seen someone that's better at quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the best quarterback ever, but he doesn't have the resume yet to be the greatest. That's, that is essentially what I was trying to get in while also taking a, a trolling stance on the LeBron, Michael Jordan debate. That's what I was doing with that tweet. I believe LeBron to be better than Jordan. I think LeBron's the greatest basketball player of all time. I think Tom Brady's still the GOAT in football, but Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback that I eventually do believe one day will be regarded as the greatest in that sport. Okay. 216-474-0092. Nick in Cleveland. Nick, hello. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good morning. Not bad, Nick. Go ahead. I loved the take of Jordan's closer to LeBron thing. That was awesome. I mean, I think LeBron became the GOAT when he brought the Cavs back from three to one, I don't think Jordan ever would have brought the Cavs title. I don't think that would have happened. Um, going to any team he You don't to, think Michael Jordan would have brought the Cavs the title? Nope. No. I do are, not. are you both high? Are you no, both no, high? No, no, no. I mean, There's no honestly, way to prove it. Listen, man, I no get high, what, high? I, I enjoy both. getting high that, but like, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I, I ain't going to lie, man. Like, it's just. There's a difference between what LeBron has done going to any team he wanted to go to and winning a title is just insane. I mean, so you're telling like, me if if LeBron, if Michael Jordan wanted to go to the Pistons, if Michael Jordan wanted to go to the Pacers, if Michael Jordan wanted to go to the the Boston Celtics, he couldn't have won a title with those teams. Boston Celtics, maybe not Pistons, the Pistons, not the okay. Not what about the Knicks? What about the Knicks? The teams he beat in the Eastern Conference playoffs many no, times over. No. No, oh, not, my God. You, not, not this is revisionist. This is revisionist. Okay, this, this, 
This is just something. That for Knicks fun. team led them 2-0 in a series. They had won 27 at home at the Garden, Nick. I understand, but like it's there's a difference between what we saw with LeBron James, the longevity of the guy. I mean, listen, the the year after we went to the finals and won, he brought that team without Kyrie Irving. With I mean, I, I can't even name you the starting five besides maybe Tristan Thompson on that team. He brought that team to a tight to a title opportunity against a, against a Golden State team that was laced with every player in the NBA. They had to bring in Kevin Durant to even stop LeBron James. Like, that's incredible. Like, that just doesn't happen. If, if, if the Pacers, Knicks, Celtics, and all of them got their best players together, it still wouldn't have been that Golden State team in 2016. Man, how, could you not name, how could you not name that? Nick, goodbye. I'm sorry, I have to let you go. Oh, I, gotta get, I gotta get more callers in. How could you? How could you I say like you can't? Nick. How could you say you can't name the 2016 starting lineup for the Cleveland no, Cavaliers? No, was talking about uh, 2018. The 2018 team. Yes, it was basically the same one as the 2016 team. Well, he was talking once Kyrie left, and there was a lot of turnover at the trade deadline that year. I believe that's the year he was talking about. We just got him to the finals. They lost in five. Ga- they lost in four games. Correct. Should have lost in five. They, that team was, yeah, outside, oh, that was of, yeah. outside of LeBron. That was not a playoff caliber team. I mean, I'm sorry to be so emotional about this, but this is just no, revisionist, I love it. gentlemen. This is revisionist. Um, and to but, to disagree with Nick, Michael Jordan, if he would have gone to you know the bad boy Pistons at that era or the Celtics. Michael Jordan Bird. would have beat the brakes off of everybody yes, with those teams. That, that would have been Durant going to the Warriors. Anthony That's Mason, what Patrick been. Ewing, John Starks. Who am I missing? Oak. Michael Jordan? Forget it. Am I wrong, Owen? With that Knicks team? Yes. Oh, yeah. They would have killed everybody. Reggie, Cleveland. And then they would have played basketball. Reggie in Cleveland. <laughs> hello. Oh, Reggie, hello. Hey, man. So, Hi. hey, fellas. So, is that Nick you said? Yeah, that was Nick the caller. This is Danny who's co-hosting with me here. Hi, Reggie. Okay, so, Danny, hey. So, I agree with Danny. So, he's saying, like, as far as position players goes, like, like in basketball, Jordan could have easily took over the game by himself. Like they're all equally great, but Jordan can take over a game. Tom Brady has to pull the team together. Like the quarterback can't do everything by himself. So I'm simply saying. I'm I'm a little confused. Yeah. I'm sorry. What are you saying, Ray? Well, he said it simple. Like say it again. Like I'm sorry, not like, Tom Brady, but like Mahomes, like. Yeah. Mahomes has to pull like the team together. Like he can't win the game by himself. That's true. So, so like Jordan, like you said, like Jordan or LeBron, like they can do the stuff by themselves. Like they can score points. Oh well, yeah, less players, different. Well, games. and yeah. playing both sides of the, the and playing court, both sides. Yeah, and Mahomes will never. But make Danny a tackle. stuck to the same sports. He didn't cross sports. Well, yeah. Well, no, he didn't. That's right, Reggie. Thank you very much for the call. He didn't cross the sports. He didn't cross the streams. He he kept to, to the. Yeah, same I'm sports. not trying to say Mahomes is better sport. than Michael Jordan. Yeah, no, it's the same thing. Larry in Garfield Heights. Hello. Uh, how you doing? I just say, Danny. LeBron's not even on Mike on Kobe Bryant level. All right, stop. Whoa, he, he, That's stop. Whoa. Come on, man. You, stop. Danny, Larry, you got back that stop. up. Hold on. Let Larry Kobe, try to back it up. Well, Let Larry try to back it up. Reckless speculation. Ron is dying. All right, you got you got Seen twenty Danny seconds to back hours. it up, he Larry. Go, anything. go. Yeah, because uh, Kobe Bryant is the closest thing I've seen to Jordan. 
then LeBron don't even come close. Why? Can we get some evidence because, here? Because LeBron got to have all the best players with him all the time. And all the switching team stuff. Where does Shaquille O'Neal come from? Why Co- Kobe wasn't the best disagree. player on three now of his title teams. Now I have to disagree. I mean, the time he had Schmush Parker with him, then yeah, fine, I'll give you that. But like, it's well, he didn't make the playoffs. He had Shaquille O'Neal at one point there, Larry. Well, the greatest, uh, arguably the greatest center who ever played the game. I just, I just, I just say, but well, he won without Shaquille. He did win a championship without Shaquille. A couple. Right. He did win right. without LeBron Shaquille. LeBron won one with Timofey Mozgov. But, it, 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 yeah. See, I mean, Larry. Sasha Kahn. And Jordan won Sasha with, Kahn. what's that dude's name? Luke, what's his name? He was horrible. Luke Longley? I think, yeah, that's his name. Well, yeah, because they had, to get, rid, they had to get rid of Horace. Well, Hor, they didn't get rid of Horace Grant. Horace, Horace Grant took a big contract. Left. Yeah. Right. All right, Larry, thank you very much for the call. I got to fit somebody in here real quick. Can Rob do downtown. Change Hello. Up. Hello, Rob. Hey, guys. Hi. Good morning, guys. I, I really can't touch on Mahomes versus Brady because Mahomes' career is probably a third over. But with the Le- LeBron versus Jordan argument, like, let's speak some facts here. Danny, 80% of your Twitter followers are from Ohio, so they're going to agree with you, first Ooh. of all. I don't know if that's any out of the market. I've lived in a few different states. He did live in Wisconsin. I have a lot I have a lot of people in, in, he Minnesota, did live in Minnesota that follow me all right, still. Fair enough. Fair enough. But when it comes to LeBron versus Jordan, you lost me when you said LeBron is significantly better than Jordan because those were your words. You, you grew up watching LeBron play 500 to 1,000 times. You've watched tape of Jordan. It's not fair to make a bold take when you're not qualified to do it. And when you haven't seen Michael Jordan play, <laughs> Ken Carmen and I can't sit there and say Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid are better than Wilt or Abdul Jabbar. Well, Danny's not that young. Wait, wait. I'm How? 30. You're 30? He's yeah. young. He, uh... He's not 44. I remember jo- watching Jordan Ken for a few few games, going to see him live twice. Rob, Danny's watched what do you know about prevailing wins? Rob, I'll say this. Let me, but I, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this, Rob. <laughs> Rob, I, now I, you, you and I agree with each other, right? We do agree with each other. I will say this, though. Yes. How old are you? I'm 44. You're 44. Okay, so you saw you saw Michael at an older age. The Michael I know, I was still a – I mean, I was 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. Like, I wasn't nearly as critical of anything as I am now as a 37-year-old man. So I do put that against myself <laughs> when I talk about LeBron and with Michael Jordan because, I mean, I, I sit there and I give arguments and take arguments every day about sports – so I'm not sitting there at seven years old or ten years old watching Space Jam, going, "Well, you know, Michael really doesn't do this, and Michael doesn't do that." Like I, I have to put that sure. into my own consideration, Rob. I wasn't an adult when Michael was at his very best. I agree, Ken. I love LeBron. I think that he has a chance to surpass Jordan, but to sit there and say that LeBron is significantly better than Michael Jordan when you've seen tape of him, it, it, that's just that's just not fair. That's, I have to that's agree. The wrong way to make a bold take. I have to agree. It's Rob, fair. thank you very much for the call. I've, I've watched it's enough Jordan. I've watched enough fair. Jordan. It, it's acting Point, like counterpoint. Like I, I don't know who this guy is. Well, I mean, I wasn't there in November of 1963, but I've seen plenty of tape to make I've up my own mind. One for sure. Coming up next, Brandon <laughs> Tierney, Tierney joins us on the show. WFAN in New York. How close have the Cavs got to the Knicks? Have they surpassed the Knicks? And he feels Jalen Brunson should be getting 
MVP consideration. Maybe, maybe not with Donovan Mitchell and what Donovan Mitchell's future is. Brandon Tierney going to join us next. Coming in hot. We're doing it this week. 940 on the fan. I think 11 of 16 teams are probably fighting for respect in the Eastern Conference from the national perspective with media. We think Donovan Mitchell should be an MVP. They think Jalen Brunson should be an MVP. We welcome in Brandon Tierney, WFAN. 101.9 WFAN. It's hard for me to not do the jingle. In New York, he joins us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Brandon Tierney, hello. What's up, boys? How you doing today? We're doing okay. Uh, from your perspective, do you believe the Cavs and the Knicks, or Cavs or the Knicks, are respected nationally? Yes, I do. You do? I do. Wow. I do. From, from the media or from the other teams? I, well, certainly from the other teams. I mean, if the other teams aren't respecting what, you know, I know the Knicks obviously are banged up and they've hit the skids a little bit here, but if they're not respecting what the Knicks were doing before that and really what you guys have been doing since since New Year's Day uh, from a player's, you know, management, coach's perspective, they're missing the boat. The, the league knows what's up. The league knows both of these teams are legit. Um, you know, when you get on the, the, the national shows, whether it's first take or, you know, Shaq and the crew on, on TNT, I feel like maybe the Knicks get a little more attention. Um, I think Brunson's been dissected a little bit more, and, and maybe more so than Mitchell, maybe only because Mitchell's been more established, um, more so than Brunson, and, and, and it's more of a, a fresh topic with Jalen. So, uh, listen, I think it's uh, – <laughs> I don't want these two teams to meet in the first round like last year because it's kind of a waste of time. This has to be round two or beyond. Let's go. Waste of time. What do you mean by waste of time? Meaning I don't want two good teams squaring up in round one. It's nice to not be trolled by a person in it another is. city. I swear to God, Brandon. I was like, well, we'll see how this one goes. But this is nice so far. Go ahead, Dan. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on a second. Did you, did you like what? So what were you guys doing? Talking smack to the audience? No, no, Ooh, no, 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 no. I'll tell you. Brandon, I'll tell you. So I know Mraz really well. And so part of that is I'm a little bit touched by the history with Mraz and him trying to rip on everything. And, you know, it's I, I, I've heard you guys before, and I've heard the stuff about Jalen Brunson and the strengths about Jalen Brunson and the Knicks. And, and a part of this is a little bit with how it ended last year where, I mean, Mitchell Robinson's laughing at us, and it was just a bad time. Ooh. So I didn't know what to expect here this morning. I mean, listen, you know, I, I don't I don't know what Merez was saying. I, I really don't. Um, He's a nasty individual this. overall, so, you know. Well, well, I didn't hear that. Say that again. Merez is a nasty vi- individual nah, overall. Hey, so. that's, my, that's my teammate. Take it. I know you can, <laughs> but he's, he's, he's crazy, but yeah. All right, so here's what I see, and this is what makes it really interesting. It's really hard to determine, like, if they did meet, who would come out on top, provided the Knicks are whole. Because if they're, if they're not whole, it's, I mean, the Knicks have no chance. But if they are, I don't think there's a ceiling. So you go back to last year, right? And it's just different, man. First of all, the bigs for you guys that were devoured by, by Mitchell Robinson, they matured a bit. Matt Struess was a big pickup. I remember doing, because I do St. John's games, I remember doing games against uh, DePaul. One, I think he dropped 43 against St. John's. And DePaul was so bad. But I'm like, man, this, this guy just looks like a pro. I'm not really surprised by him. And when you got him from Miami, I'm like, mm, oh, okay. So you look at, you know, the other components from a year ago. R.J. Barrett's gone. Quickly's gone. Struess is in. The, the big's a little bit stronger, a little bit more matured for you guys. Hartenstein's role has changed. You know, now you have the Knicks have OG. So it's, it's like you try to extrapolate from last year, and it's hard to do it. But, but I'll tell you this. Back to your original question, Ken. Like, 
at the end of the day, who gives a rat's ass what the national media is saying? You guys woke up on New Year's Day, and you were barely a blip on the national radar. You were, what, two, three games over 500. I think you were 18 and 15. Mm-hmm. Now you're 36 and 17. Who cares what people are saying? I don't know if there's a better team. Uh, you know, the Celtics are playing well. Uh, but the, the the Eastern Conference, the Knicks have stumbled. The the Bucks can't stop anybody. They're scuffling. Philly's banged up and scuffling. You guys, you guys are good. I mean, I'm I'm here to give it up. You guys are good. Who should be higher in the MVP conversation, Donovan Mitchell or Jalen Brunson? Oh, man, I would say Brunson only because of the it's close and. See, I look at the MVP, and I know it's become, you know, the NFL, you know, the quarterback who wins the most, who puts up the most touchdowns, generally the NBA, the best stats on the best team. I still go – I'm old school with this, guys. I go back to, all right, the literal definition definition from when I was a kid. Like, if you subtract player X from scenario Y, you know, how much of a drop-off is there? And Jalen Brunson not being on the Knicks, they're, they're pretty bad. Whereas you take Spider, now listen, you guys aren't 36 and 17 without him, but you still have two young ascending bigs. You've got Struess, you've got Gorlin. Like, I just think that you guys would be better. It, it's close, but I would say Brunson. He's also, and by the way, he's also a better shooter. Boy, I think we'd be a rudderless ship right now without Donovan yeah. Mitchell. Especially so cons- considering yeah. the time that Garland and Mobley missed. Yeah, well, but, but again, that's, what, from your perspective, what do you think of when you think of Evan Mobley? Oh, boy. Uh, I think of I, – I think first, the first thing I think of is somebody that got pushed around last year. I mean, that's the first, that's the first imagery. But, you know, that happens to bigs. You know, they, they got to put some weight on I I haven't truly seen, like, the physical maturation of his body. I can't, you know, I mean, you guys see it every night. I parachute into the Cavaliers, obviously, being locked into the Knicks. You know, I see a player who is good, who is a, a core foundational piece on a team that has a chance to do some damage. But, you know, I also like like whether it's Mitchell Robinson or some other ancillary pieces for the Knicks, he's not the kind of player that, you know, you're going to hit your wagon to when he's going to take it to the conference finals if he doesn't have the pieces around him. So, I think he's the kind of player you can certainly win big with, but I don't know that he's necessarily paramount to success, if, if that makes any sort of sense. I like him. I don't know if I love him. When the Knicks are whole, where do you yeah. think that they can be targeted? When the Knicks are whole, say that again. Can you chop that? I'm sorry. I think that was Kenny. Oh, that's, that Kenny no, that's Danny. Danny. Go ahead. Go ahead. Where Danny, do you think they can be targeted? Like, where are their flaws when they are whole and healthy? Because we've not seen that, especially since the trade deadline and even the OG trade you know, a yeah. couple of weeks before. We've not seen them fully healthy. We've not seen what they've looked like as a finished product. But True. where do you think those flaws are when they do get to that point? I think the only, for me, the only discernible flaw would be playoff Julius Randle versus regular season Randle. Because let's say that, you know, Randle's finally able to to pop through and, you know, replicate in in the second season what he does in the regular season, right? Then he's an all-star, and then there's really nothing to worry about. Because you've got Brunson, who's a borderline superstar. You've got Randall, who's a certifiable all-star. And then you've got depth. You've got Biggs. Mitchell Robinson's coming back. Hardenstein's been a revelation. I knew he was good. I didn't think he was this good. He's a great passer. He just fits so well. OG's the prototypical 3-and-D guy, 43, 40%, uh, 44% from the corner, 
He could try, you know, lock up is a little strong, but he could certainly neutralize whether it's a Tatum or the other opponent's best player on the wing. They really go 10 deep. I, I, here's what I think about the Knicks. I think the Knicks, one, and I said this the other day to Sal, one through 10, the Knicks have the most useful functional roster in the NBA. There's no dead weight. Now, that doesn't mean that they've, that they've got enough star power to win a championship. They may or they may not. But the 10 guys that they can conceivably roll out, including now Bogdanovich, I mean, they got three, four guys pumping 40% from downtown, which, by the way, and you know this, is your team's weakness. Because really, you know, Mitchell's a beast, and, and Garland I like, and Levert is very good. But they're all sub-league average shooting three. Um, so, so that's a problem potentially for you guys. But to thumbnail it, Knicks are deep. Knicks have, I believe, enough star talent. I believe they're well coached. They've got size. They've got positional versatility. They can win 120 to 117. They can win 93 to 90. They can muck it up if they have to. I don't really think there's a ton of weaknesses, but if I've got to give you one, you know, you could go at Brunson as an average to slightly below average lead guard defender. And, and that could be a problem for the Knicks. But there's not many weaknesses. It's just not. So who, how, would you rank, how would you rank the top half of the Eastern Conference? I mean, one through four. Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York, as they sit right now. If you want to throw Philly in there, throw Philly in there. Yeah, Philly, I mean, Embiid's amazing. But, and maybe I'm just – maybe I'm sleeping on Philly. I, I feel like they're below the cut line. I would say Boston won. you got to understand, guys, I'm answering this from – the mindset of, of watching the Knicks lose four straight with no Randall, with no OG, with no – like if this was two weeks ago, honestly, and maybe I would have been slightly a prisoner of the moment, but I would have been very convinced where I would have said Knicks might be one or Knicks, Knicks two behind Boston. So I will say Boston won – I'm not so – I think Milwaukee's going in the wrong direction. I'm going to put Milwaukee – I'm going to put them four. Okay? I know that that sounds ludicrous. And I'm going to put the Knicks two slightly ahead of you guys at three. Celts, Knicks, Cavs, Milwaukee. I can take that. I can, I can understand that. I can accept it. Go ahead there, Danny. How many teams in the NBA do you think are capable of winning the title this year? I mean, it's an interesting question, Danny. But, you know, when you look at, like, whether it's odds or – but the thing is, it's like – yeah, but some of the good teams in the West are, are going to knock each other off. So it's almost like I'll answer it for you, but it's very it's very hard to answer because it just it doesn't work out that way. All right, I would say obviously the top four in the East. I would say Denver is five. I would say the T Wolves is six. No order necessarily. Clippers seven. Oklahoma eight, and I. I think that that's it. I mean, can the Suns get hot and mess around? I'm going to say eight. I would say eight. What about you guys? What's your number? I don't know if it's quite that high. I think having Cleveland included in that is is not something many people would do. I would probably say it's around five or six, but I think that uh-huh. there's a drop-off. I, I, I have Denver in there. I've got Boston in there. Yep. I'm not sold on Minnesota. I'm not sold on OKC because those teams have not done it in the playoffs yet, and that matters to me. Fair enough. I want to say the Clippers, but I don't trust them to be healthy. I kind of hear you on that. Let me flip something else back to you. So when you say that, you know, people don't view the Cavaliers as that kind of team, forget about what the people think. You take the calls. What are your – what do the Cavaliers fans think? Do they think they could do it? Because Nick fans think that they can. What – 
the overall goal being what? Yeah, win the championship. Our Cavaliers at the point now where I don't. Crazy- I think a lot of fans would go nuts if they could just get to the finals. I think they would go absolutely batty if they could just get to the finals. Okay, okay. But is it? Listen, you've been through situations of this year with the Browns, you know, the Flacco. Like that just didn't seem. I mean, it was amazing, but it didn't really seem believable or sustainable um, in terms of winning the Super Bowl. Maybe messing around and winning a game or two in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't think it's that preposterous. To I'm trying to put myself in the mind of a, of a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, right? I'm in the city. I know the heartache. I know what LeBron did. I remember Elo and Ron Harper and Brad Doherty and Mark Price and those boys and those those. You know, got to remind us. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, man. If I'm a Cavaliers fan, I'm I'm walking around thinking we got a chance because the NBA. Here's the thing: when when we just talked about the T Wolves and OKC. Like, really, almost every team that's in the conversation to be champion, there's a real question. And if you throw Philly in there, well, can Embiid stay healthy? Oklahoma City, do they have the experience? The T-Wolves, all right, we know Edwards is a beast, but do you really trust Carl Anthony Towns? I, I don't. I don't. Um, you know, the, the Bucks. I mean, Doc Rivers is the, is the king choke artist. They, what are they, one and six since he got there? Yes. They can't stop anybody. So, Defensively, I mean, they're going to destroy Damian Lillard in the playoffs when he's got certain matchups. I don't. Outside of Boston and Denver, who did it a year ago, even the Clippers with the health, which I thought was a very good point. I think every team's got concerns. So this is the year to be in the mix, man. Do you? What do you think Donovan Mitchell's future is? You know, it's a it's obviously a long distance read. Um, I. I hmm. You would know better than me, obviously. I mean, anything that he intimates, do you get the sense that he likes where he is or that he loves where he is? And then I'll answer him more directly. Does I, he give off signs? He he looks like he really, really, really likes the city. Yeah. Uh, but he yep. also, he really wants to win, and he is putting that on them. I don't think he, I think he is afraid of becoming Dame Lillard in Portland. Yeah. So I think that he is uh, very, deathly afraid of that. And I think that he's going to hold their feet to the fire on things. And he has said numerous times his objective is winning. So my whole thought of it is, okay, it's the NBA. Easy thing to do if you sign a long-term extension with the Cavs. Because right now, I I wonder if the Knicks have any room at the end. If you sign a long-term extension with the Cavs, you could still get traded if things go belly up. That's true. And you could get to where you want. My whole thought of it is the Knicks, there's not a lot of room there. You could probably speak, but you could speak better to that than I can. And the Nets, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't want to play for the Nets because the Nets aren't the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, think of all that's that's true in terms of, you know, everything. But yeah. if if he if his premise, and I don't think that you're wrong, is to eventually win, then why the hell are you going to Brooklyn? They're an absolute aside from the profile difference from the Knicks, which is, you know, ninety five percent Knicks, five percent Nets, you know, why would you go to a situation that is far worse than the one that you're currently in, outside of maybe the appeal of of a different kind of a city? I I mean, I, I don't see him doing that. The thing about the Knicks, and this is what's interesting to me, and this is what is, is, thank God, Jesus, thank God, they finally figured a way to figure this nonsense out. Like, so the Knicks, you go back to Isaiah and all those, all the clown show moves, Eddie Curry, Phil Jackson, Derek Fisher, Fisdale, Hornacek, Stephon Marbury, I'm jumping around. But, my, it's been 20 years, man, of hell. What, what, what the Knicks have, I just got another call, sorry. What the Knicks have done is that they've collected a boatload of premium draft equity, which is amazing. They built a great roster, which is stunning. But, guys, the New York Knicks right now had the 15th 
high as payroll. So they've given themselves long-term flexibility. Then you go to next year, okay, and, of course, they're going to have to re-sign OG, which they will. Right now, and I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the cap. The Knicks are 17th in projected payroll for next year. So they've got wiggle with the money. They got a ton of cap equity, and they got a good, young, ascending roster, and there's nothing, nothing, nothing like the guard when the guard's on fire. Would that be attractive to Donovan Mitchell? I believe that it would. Would it be attractive to other superstars for the first time? You know, going back to chasing LeBron in 2010 and chasing Chris Bosh and Amari came here, but, you know, Dwayne Wade. At that point, here's the difference, guys. That The garden was toxic, and the stench was unavoidable. They have changed the entire culture, money, picks, winning, feel, everything, ambiance. So the garden's a player. So if you tell me that Mitchell's a Nick in a year, I wouldn't be stunned. If you tell me he's not, I wouldn't be stunned. Um, so it's that's a tough spot to be in as a Cavaliers fan. I, I get it. Brandon, we can't thank you enough for the time. I know you're getting ready to do a show. Brandon Tierney, Brandon Tierney and Sal Licata, BT and Sal. They're coming up at 10 Eastern on WFAN in New York. And, of course, you can listen to it on the free Odyssey app. Brandon, thank you very much for the time. Nah, Ken, Danny, my pleasure. Enjoy it. And uh, listen, man, I'm, I, I don't know if everybody's showing you that respect. I'm showing it. I see the it's way you guys nice. playing. It's I, very I nice. It felt good. Yes, it did. I'll <laughs> see you later. <laughs> we'll see you. Brandon Tierney joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Okay, should we be talking about winning at all? Brandon Tierney says yes. That and coming in hot at 940 on the fan. Should we aim higher? You said Eastern Conference Finals was the standard now. That should be. You said that's that's the expectation. It should be the expectation, yes. Danny Cunningham in for tone. I'm pointing across the table at him. He's had some spicy takes today. Here's Brandon Tierney from WFAN in New York on the matter. What do the Cavaliers fans think? Do they think they can do it? Because Nick fans think that they can. The overall goal being what? Yeah, win the championship. Are Cavaliers at the point now where... I don't. Crazy- I think a lot of fans would go nuts if they could just get to the finals. I think they would go absolutely batty if they could just get to the finals. You've been through situations of this year with the Browns, you know, the Flacco. Like, that just didn't seem believable or sustainable. I don't know. I don't think it's that preposterous. I got to tell you, for an out-of-towner, he did kind of hit it pretty right with the Cavs or, and the Browns there. Uh, now, well, maybe with how I might be feeling. Now, I think I think we're going through a range of emotions right now about the Cavs. Yeah. With the Browns, it was, hey, let's see how long this can go. I don't think anybody was legitimately thinking Super Bowl. I mean, at least. It felt possible. Probably like, one or two, but it, not. It felt possible. Like, it, it felt as it if. It was a hope. It was a hope. Right. It, but it, it didn't feel like, you know, there's just no way. He's saying that this should be a legitimate possibility here for a lot of fans, and they should be thinking that, which, you know, I, I have, and I've thought Eastern Conference Finals. And I think we're going through a range of things. I think there's people out there that think this team's going to the finals. I think there's people out there that think this team is going to the Eastern Conference. I think there's team that there's people out there that think this team is going to lose to the Knicks or, or just be a mess, and that's going to be the end of it. Like, I think that we are seeing – there's people out there that don't want it. They're, they're not going to be fooled again, and they're, they it, they got to prove it to them. So I think we're kind of running the gamut on where the Cavs are, at least with the fans. And I do think that in the Eastern Conference, I feel pretty confident Boston is going to be in the conference finals. But after that, you could tell me one of four teams is facing Boston, and I would believe you, and the Cavs are part of that mix. I would believe you if, if you told me the Bucks are facing the Celtics in the conference finals. Makes sense. Sixers, I could see away. Knicks, absolutely. Cavs, 100%. That's the world we're in right now. The the Eastern Conference, I think it's Boston and it's everybody else. But I don't think that gap between Boston and everybody else is so big that someone from the everybody else can't win. 
But I still think last year plays into it with me. It does. And I, I think that that's where maybe Brandon was just like a, a, a degree off. Because I can't not think of last year. And I know that they are trying to not think of it, but I can't not think of it. And how excited I was. I, I Jason was on this show. Lloyd. And Lloyd, we kept asking him. And pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. And I got to the point where I just flat out said it because I didn't want to be unfair to him. I go, you're not saying anything because you're not picking the Cavs to win this series. Everybody here picked the Cavs to win that series. They didn't just lose that series. They got dismantled. It was embarrassment. I was mad. Uh, I don't think anybody – I thought they'd win it. I didn't know they'd lose it like that. And so I think that does play a little bit into people's psyche. I think that people are not over that. I think people are a little scarred by the fact that we went into last postseason with not sky-high expectations for that team. I think mm-hmm. the expectation was get through the first round and lose in the second round to Milwaukee. And, you know, we'd know Milwaukee didn't even win their first-round series. But things went so opposite of what we expected them to that until you do see it get over that – until you see this team get over that hump in the playoffs and get to the second round – people are going to be a little skeptical even if they should be enjoying this team right now because they're pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. 216 So should the new standard be the NBA Finals? I think that's too much. I, I think that it's possible. I mean, I look back on you and you said the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. I think I, that's I think, a nice goal, but I don't know if it's the I, standard. I don't, I, think, I don't think it's the standard. I don't think – I think the expectation should be in year two of Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland that this team gets to the Conference Finals especially when you take a look at the outlook in the rest of the Eastern Conference, where we're talking about the team that is the two seed and has a four-game lead in the loss column over number three in the Eastern Conference right now and should have the tiebreaker over that team. If the Cavs aren't the two seed, something went wrong the rest of the season. When you're talking about a top two seed, the expectation should be the conference final. Should it not be? But I still think, no. I still you think it's about think no because I I still got to look at matchups. I I still matchups matter no you, doubt. I, but I I see the 76ers and I want to see what they are with Joel Embiid back. The Knicks, the Knicks are still a boogeyman in a lot of ways. God, I hate being that way, but it's true. Milwaukee, Brandon's right. Like they are in a weird place right now. It is that is a weird team. They're not fun. There's a lot of weird stuff going on with them. And Boston, I, I Boston just feels like it's Boston. Like there's nothing it's Boston's not scary until you see them, and they're like, okay, Boston's a really good basketball team. We got to give them their respect. But I don't, I don't think of Boston the way I do with other ones. But I still have to remind myself to put them there. With us, I got new pieces. Max Struess, the offense is better with him on the floor. Mm-hmm. Now I know people complain Lima about his three point shooting and how they were right about his three point shooting not being as good as we thought it was good. Lima. Uh, <laughs> But the offense is better with Max Drews on it because the NBA defenses do they they respect Max Strews from the three point line. Nobody's coming out on Isaac Okoro yet. I hope that changes because that means that they'll respect Isaac Okoro more, and that means that there's going to open up lanes for Donovan Mitchell or Darius or anybody else, and it's going to be able to open up the lane to be able to throw the ball over the block if you really want to do that with Jared Allen. If Evan Mobley continues to hit some threes here. Which I'll, I'm willing to admit, if I was wrong on that, I thought he might be. You might have even wanted to try more or not at all, and it seems to be just the right amount. So I'll admit, so far I'm very, very, very wrong. It uh, was something they need. They needed 
to get this from the offense. My champions pose in the postseason. We'll see where it goes. Now, he's not going to shoot 58% from beyond the arc the way that he has been since he's returned from injury. But Still 41 on the season, even with the injuries. Really, really well, good. It's That's because up. he only took, I think, 11 threes all season before the injury. Yep. He's taken more threes in the and he's been eight nice. games since yeah. than he took in the 23 games he played before he hurt his knee. So that does that something that plays into their success. They need him to probably shoot, especially if he's making, say, 40%, or even if yeah. he's making 35% of them. They need him to shoot more than he's been shooting. I think three a game is probably where you want to be with him. That's really going to In open In general, up. you want him to shoot three? I mean, that's that is that the end game for a guy like Evan Mobley? I think end game, maybe not, but I think for this year, what is that's end game? fair. What is end game? Probably four. Four? But I think for this year, three is good. Okay. I, I, I don't think that it should be such a draft drastic thing that it takes away from other things that he does well offensively. Um, and you've seen him in the mid-range. I think his touch around the basket has improved. I don't think that you want to stretch him out too far to where that becomes too much of a focus. Yeah. I see something once a week online about Donovan Mitchell's future. I think where the conversation stalls locally, though, is I think he's handled it. I, I think he's handled all this the way you should handle this. Yeah. Uh, his future is up in the air. I think that he has put the right amount of pressure on the organization to win and win around him. Uh, and I also think that there's just good, strong business sense for him to sign an extension here. But I don't think there's been any pouting. I don't think there's been any of the, of the natural silliness that you might see from people. I think that he is taken to the city very, very well. You know, I disagreed with Chris about it a couple of weeks ago. About, well, I, I, I had to agree a, a little bit with Chris a couple of weeks ago. Sorry, I disagreed with him on something else. But I, di- I agreed with Chris a, little, a couple of weeks ago where I don't think the city's going to fully embrace him until he signs the extension. Then I think you're going to see everybody fall in line and really, really get behind this guy. But I think right now it's they like him, they respect him, but it's arm's length. But it's not, it's not Jose, it's not Miles. Like there has to be that long term time right. investment before we find you in that level. Like he gets put on the everyone's Mount Rushmore of maybe not Cleveland sports, but certainly of the Cavs mm-hmm. once Easily. he signs that extension. Yes. That's what that extension well, I does. Think, I think he changes for Cleveland sports if he signs the extension. I, I think that then all of a sudden he becomes right up there at the billboard. Oh, no doubt. Along with yeah. Jose and along with Miles. Yes. Um, yes, the Mount Rushmore Nick, of current Nick, athletes, yes. no doubt. I, I was speaking more term, like, historically. Oh, like, okay. he just no, wouldn't be there yet, but, like, in terms of right now. To do that. Yes, exactly. It's but in terms of right here. now, yeah, he would – if he signs an extension here and this team goes to the conference – say this team goes to the conference finals this spring mm. and then he signs an extension, he might be the most beloved athlete in Cleveland next fall. It would be him. That's a strong statement. Him, him Nick Chubber, Miles Possibly. Garrett. Not Jose? No, because I don't think they're going to have a very good year. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two coming in hot. Coming up next. Now I'm going to tell you right now. You keep it within the boundaries of good taste. If I have to dump and we have to just not do this, I'm going to ask a question that nobody here is going to like. You guys are going to hate me for doing it, but you should really hate yourselves. If I have to dump these calls, if Owen has to dump these calls, it's going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. Two one six four seven four. 0092, please keep your comments within the boundaries of good taste. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 